Are you tired of the same old pro wrestling? Then check out the amazing action on Powerslam.tv, the biggest indie pro wrestling channel in the world. Get over 4,000 hours of the best pro wrestling events from over 110 of the biggest names in the industry from over 15 countries around the globe. Get your free trial today at Powerslam.tv. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is Scorpio Sky, and you are listening to the Keeping It Strong Style Podcast, and it is the best. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chill and let them have it because this is just an intro keeping the strong style six stars from the get-go boy yeah from tampa bay to the tokyo dome this is keeping it strong style with your host jeremy donovan and the young boy joshua smith and thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Jeremy Donovan here with the young boy Josh Smith. On today's show, we'll be discussing Wrestle Kingdom 14 News, New Japan Showdown, World Tag League, answering your questions and covering all the latest news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. This episode of Keeping a Strong Style is brought to you by Power Slam TV. If you are a fan of independent wrestling, Power Slam TV has over 6,000 hours of wrestling from companies across the world. Use our promo code socialsuplex to get your first month free. Also, make sure you check out our Pro Wrestling Tea store, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Social Suplex. That's where you can get the official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. So, how you doing, young boy? I'm good, man. Just, uh, you know, recording another uh, famous episode of Keeping It Strong Style. <laughs> um, I always feel weird. I don't know how to kind of answer that. I'm just like, you know, we're here. 102 episodes in. Yeah, 102. It, it, it's weird that it's just us. The dynamic duo rides again. Yeah, we got a lot of great feedback from um, our guest last week, Chris Samsa from uh, Voices of Wrestling and SportofProWrestling.com. And he uh, released his um, big New Japan uh, spreadsheet last week with data from the whole year and all the matches and stuff like that. So go ahead and check that out. Support com. We got a lot of great feedback, a lot of great numbers last week. Yeah, we we're we're back in uh you know G one territory for our downloads. <laughs> <laughs> um no last week's episode I listened to it. I thought it was really good. I thought uh Chris did a great job. Um I was like dang like you you and him could do the show. I I don't have to be on it. It'd be fine. It'd be fine. <laughs> No, the, the people want young boy. Not everybody. <laughs> we won't be naming names, but not everybody. <laughs> but no, 
no, yeah, I thought it, I thought it was a good episode, and um, yeah, we've had a lot of guests. We had Chris on the week before. We had who was on? We here? had Rocky Romero. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like who was here? Yeah, oh, yeah. Rocky. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> and of course, you know, we've had Rich on a bunch of times. We had uh, Amy O on for G One Supercard. Yeah, but it feels like the last like three or four weeks. It seems like it's been a while since we just did an episode, so I don't know. Um, feels weird, but we're back. We're back. And um, last week, there was the big uh, press conference that happened on Tuesday after we recorded. There's two press conferences, right? There's one and then a second one? Uh, I think there was it was just one. Okay. But um, the World Tag League stuff was, like, just announced. It wasn't, like, a press conference for that. Mm. But um, the press conference that happened on Tuesday after we recorded um, was the big Wrestle Kingdom press conference. They confirmed um, a lot of matches for January 4th and January 5th. So for January 4th, we have confirmed Kazuchika Okada will be defending the IWGP Heavyweight Championship against Kota Ibushi. Switchblade Jay White will be defending the IWGP Intercontinental title against Tetsuya Naito. Then we will have Will Ospreay defending the IWGP junior title against Hiromu Takahashi. And we have the Jushin Thunder Liger match where Liger will be teaming up with Fujinami, the great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask being cornered by El Samurai to take on uh, Sano, Otani, Takawa, Taguchi, and uh, being cornered by uh, Kobayashi. Yeah, so um, it's weird because it's like this all got announced last week. I don't think you and I have even had a discussion about any of this. this no, is, we haven't. Yeah, we this just is literally happening like live on the air. Yeah, we just because on last week's episode we kind of speculated what we thought was going to happen, which pretty much what uh, we. What that's we, the thing. Like, I feel like I feel like us. Like, we we definitely need to talk about it, but I feel like we did talk about it last week, and everything we said was going to happen is what's happening. What's happening? <laughs> uh, but it was you know uh, it was pretty exciting once this stuff was officially announced and the graphics were out. Did you watch any of that press conference? I didn't catch it. I didn't get a chance to catch it either, man. I've just I've, last week I've been so busy uh, just trying to keep up with the wrestling, let alone like the extra stuff. So I didn't. I mean, I th- I read all the notes from the press conference, but I didn't watch it. Okay, so I mean, um, do you want to discuss any of this, or you want to just talk about January fifth as well, and then talk yeah. about it as a whole? Uh, well, one thing we did have a question on the Osprey and Hiromu match from Reddit user Chuck Kidman. Says, do you see Osprey finally moving up from the junior division after Wrestle Kingdom? Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, Hiromu will uh, defeat Osprey, be the new head of the junior division for 2020, and then Osprey can move on up. Yeah, we, um, you know, last year we had speculated, we believed that Osprey was moving up to the heavyweight division, and you know, it, it is my opinion that that probably was what they were originally anticipating on happening um i forget what was the reason that he ended up not fully committing to heavyweight wasn't there a change or something happened in the mid part of the year where they uh went back to him at super juniors i'm trying to think i mean there was the desperado injury but i don't think that really well in either case um you know he had that whole first uh quarter of the year where he was in the Never Division. He beat Kota Ibushi, and I thought that that was his coronation. I was like, "Oh, he's he's gone. He's moving up to the heavyweights. This is it." Uh, it wasn't to be so. That was just a temporary measure. They eventually brought him back to the uh, juniors, and you. Oh, you know what? It, okay, so here's the thing. 
when he did the Super Juniors, I was assuming, and this was, maybe it was just me, I don't know if it was both of us, but I was assuming that he was going in there, he was going to put over somebody like a Shingo, someone of that nature, and that would be his his big Andre giving back to the business, <laughs> uh, you know, junior junior run, but it didn't, it obviously didn't work out that way. He ended up winning the tournament, winning the junior title. He's had that title since Dominion. And, you know, now it does feel like, you know, when he cut that promo in the ring at Power Struggle, you, you look at the list of guys he's beaten, all the different uh, storylines he's, you know, gone through from like, him chasing after the belt, the Marty, him not being able to beat Marty Skrull, his, you know, feuds with uh, this very man, Hiromu, you know, him solidifying himself as an ace, you know, testing the waters at heavyweight. I mean, he, you know, even the, the tag stuff, he, there really is nothing left for Will Ospreay to do in the junior division, and he's too big of a star to stay there at this point in time, you know. Um, it does feel like that this is, this is his swan song for the junior division. He's going to go out there. They're going to have a killer match. And when it's all said and done, Hiromu's going to be the, the junior ace. And Will Ospreay's going to, you know, start his uh, trek to the heavyweights. I mean, we don't have that confirmed. It's not like that's been announced. But I'd, I can't see it going any other way. Right. I mean, that seems like the story that they're telling. Honestly, I would be super surprised if Ospreay beat Hiromu. Not, it's not that he – it's not even that. It's just um, there's no reason for him to stay. Yeah. If this company keeps Will Ospreay in the junior division from this point going forward, then they're mismanaging their talent at that point, in my opinion. There's no reason for him to stay. They're, they've done everything there is to do with him there. Um, there's nothing left. So I don't know why. I don't. I couldn't. I think that would be a mismanagement of their assets at that point. Because uh, that is what, you know, at the end of the day, Will Ospreay is a commodity. He's a super talent. They already laid the groundwork for him at the G1 this past year. Um, he's ready. And I think the company's ready for him to take the next step and go up to heavyweight and fall in the shoes of, you know, to me, in a way, he is like the next Kenny, yeah. essentially. And I, I I think that they're ready for him to, to jump up. Right. He's already been uh, learning Japanese now, uh, trying to incorporate some Japanese in his uh, closing match promos and stuff like that. You know, he's we know that he's already living there. So definitely kind of following in the footsteps of a Kenny Omega, who we'll, we will be talking about uh, later on in the show. But... Uh, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to uh, night one. A lot of great matches set. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're looking at banger after banger after banger, plus a nostalgia match for Liger. Already, January 4th show is looking freaking awesome. Yeah. So then we move to January 5th, where we also have four matches. We have the finally confirmed big champion versus champion match. So the winners of... The title matches on night one will face off in the main event of night two. The IWGP champion will challenge the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. Both belts on the line. The dash for double gold. What are you thinking, man? Well, um, we've speculated. We have thrown out all different kinds of scenarios over the past year. And this is something we've talked about for a long time. And it's finally come into fruition. And, um, you know, we, we, we talked at in depth uh, last week about, you know, the build. We talked about the promo that was cut and, you know, the lackluster reception of it, you know, during the, um, the uh, you know, the post-match after the main event power struggle. So mm -hmm. we, we kind of got that out of the way. But now we're here and we, we've got a situation where 
you know, Okada and Ibushi, night one, Jay White, Naito, night one, and then the, the, the winners are going to face off with one another. Right, and then also announced the, the losers from night one will be facing off against each other. So the two non-champions will face off in a semi-main. So, you know, I'm not connected as much to online. I know that, you know, it's easy when you're on social media to kind of live in an echo chamber and a little like a bubble, but you're definitely more involved than I am online. From what I'm hearing from some of our friends and listeners is that this isn't really being met with uh, a lot of enthusiasm or, you know, fanfare from uh, the Western audience, at least, or at least the people that we're connected with. Would you say that it's safe to say that that's what you're also seeing? Yeah, I'm seeing some of that, and what I'm what I'm really seeing a lot of is um, people having a problem with Naito being in the situation, just based off the year he's had, and this even looking at kayfabe at his record and a lot of the losing disappointments he's had this year, and then it's just like even just his match quality is like, yes, from a story perspective, Naito probably makes the most sense to walk out of January 5th with both belts. But do we really think Naito can be the guy to kind of carry the banner going into 2020 and to have big main event matches and have some epic feuds? I think a lot of people are questioning that and are not 100% sure. Like people, they, they kind of want Naito to, to win the big one, but at the same time, they're, they're not sure if they want to see a Naito title run. It's kind of what I've been seeing. Yeah, I mean, um, and I, I guess it also begs to, to ask, like, once the champion emerges on January 5th and they have both championships. What does that mean going forward? It, it, are these titles unified? Right. Are I think they, are we they, do, we had a question about that um, too. Are they a dual champion? Are they going to drop one of the belts and just defend one or the other? Are they going to defend them separately? Like what does this really mean going forward is one of the big things. And we can address that question here in a second, but um. You know, let's talk about Naito. So, Naito hasn't had the strongest year. We've 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 discussed this. You know, he did well in the in the G one, but you know, they set him up where he lost what the first three m- matches of the tournament. Yeah, and he was you know basically coming from behind the entire night. He ended up losing to um, Jay White, obviously in the fi- in the B block finals. So he didn't win there. He ended up getting knocked out of the. Um, New Japan Cup earlier in the year. He had that feud with uh, Abushi where, yes, at the end he ended up winning the IC belt, but it almost felt like the winner was the loser because it almost felt like whichever guy won that feud would end up losing in the G1, which is (laughs) exactly what ended up happening. And then he dropped the belt to Jay White later in the year. So it hasn't really been a banner year. Now, Abushi did have a fantastic series of matches with Kota Abushi earlier in the year. But those matches were brutal, and they were killer. And it, even though uh, Naito had really good matches in the G1, they weren't up to the same level that we're used to seeing. And it feels like we haven't seen him work to that really, really high level again since the Ibushi series. Right. And we already know that this guy's got, you know, shot knees. And you you can just tell from his physiology that he's not as muscular as he was. He, he's not moving the same way that he used to. And we've talked about how we've talked for a long time about how banged up he is but now it's really starting to become more prevalent at least from a a visual standpoint so there is some question about you know how deserving naito is at the same time this is the story that they were always going to tell 
Make right. no make no mistake about it. Yeah, that's a, this was a plan. I mean, clearly they've been holding off. We've been talking about it for the you know the whole last year that they've been holding off this Naito and Okada match. And I know there there are a lot of people that are thinking, well, it's kind of dumb that they're not announcing a Naito Okada match ahead of time. I agree. And not drawing off it. So I know there's a lot of people thinking that that could be a reason why Naito loses or, or Okada loses on night one. And they do that Naito-Okada match down the line next year where they can announce it and draw off of it. I don't think they're going to do that, to be honest with you. I, I really feel like the moment will be completely passed if that's the case. Right Now, yeah. I mean, we've been wrong in the past. But and I, I think the story is not just Naito beating Okada because he could he could beat Okada on any show. It's beating Okada in the main event of a Tokyo Dome show. Right, is the story. Yeah, it's it. it there are s- very similar parallels to Naito and Okada as there were to Rock and Austin. It wasn't just whether the Rock could beat Stone Cold. It was him beating him at WrestleMania. At WrestleMania. Yeah. And that there is a parallel there between Naito and Okada, and even it, given the fact that uh, Rock and Austin, you know, had their matches every other year. That's how it's literally been for Okada and Naito every other year in the Tokyo Dome. They faced one another, you know, going back to what Wrestle Kingdom was at eight. I'm guessing. Was it eight? What was the, what the yeah, fan vote? I believe so. But um, you know, here's the thing. Um. There's def- there's no such thing as a perfect wrestling company. There's no such thing as perfect booking. Um, New Japan has some of the most logical, and they're very good, but they obviously make mistakes. We we take them to task when they make mistakes. You know, uh, we love you know the product, but at the end of the day, there is no such thing as perfect booking. Um, we've talked about it. What the what the narrative here for Naito is? They wanted to take Naito to the bare bare bottom so that hypothetically if he does win this thing he is literally coming back from nothing to reach the pinnacle and there there's something to be said for that uh but there are a lot of fans who feel like they took him too low right yeah (laughs) to now where it's like almost unbelievable but here's here's a few things number one the one thing this company has in their favor even if the build hasn't been perfect even if the promos haven't been perfect even if they've got some catching up to do the matches are going to be incredible. You've got four guys who have an immense level of history with one another who all have had great matches with one another. The The, the one match in particular that has the most uh, potential to maybe underperform is Jay White and Naito. Right. Any other, any other combination, whether it be Okada-White Okada Naito, Okada Bushi, every single one of those combinations with Okada, it's Okada obviously, have been nothing but bangers and, you know, match of the year level, you know, candidates this past year. With Ibushi, same thing. He's had nothing but, you know, top end matches with all three of these guys. Right, yeah, the Jay White Ibushi uh, G1 finals was just incredible. Um, the Ibushi Naito match we talked about earlier, you know, those like, you know, flat neck bump matches they had. Right. And then the uh, G1 Nabushi Okada match, yeah. And so with, with White and Naito, they've had two matches that, while both very good, are not on the same level as any of the other matches that these other guys have had. But Jay White and Naito's best opponents in the company right now are Okada and Nabushi. Mm-hmm. So that leaves you with the scenario where 
regardless of what ends up happening from a storyline standpoint, on January 5th, there, you can't go wrong with the matches. Unless by saying go wrong, you're talking about from a business perspective or you're talking about from a kayfabe perspective. But from a in-ring standpoint, you can't go wrong. Okada against Jay White, banger. Okada against Naito, banger. Abushi against either of those guys, same thing. Right. And we're going to get some some combination of that. So the matches themselves, they're going to deliver. And I feel like what's going to truly end up happening um, and it's not to cut for the company or say that they're doing things right because a lot of these um, complaints fans have are valid. But when January 6th rolls around, no one's going to be talking about any of that because these matches are going to deliver at such a high level just like they always do in the Tokyo Dome during Wrestle Kingdom that it's going to be forgotten. It really is going to be forgotten. Yeah. Um, now, as far as like Naito... And I'll give it back to you here in just a second, Jeremy. If they didn't go with Naito this year, then someone in the company has made a really serious mistake business-wise. Yeah, I mean, I know I think we have a question about it too, but it's almost like, like this is like the perfect timing. Like, it doesn't, I just can't see, if Naito doesn't win it here, it's like I don't think he would ever win it next year or any other year. It, it, it's like this. Naito is so hot in Japan that he's been able to go from his apex, which was two years ago in the Tokyo Dome, go through that heartbreak, lose to Okada, go through up and down booking for the last two years, and still stay as hot as he ever was. Right. He's still super hot, huge pops, um, huge draw. LIJ still sells a lot of merch. He's still been able to maintain that superstar aura with even though he took all these losses so even from you know the western audience were like yeah man this guy is losing he doesn't deserve to be here but if you look at the domestic audience um naito is still a huge star to them people love this guy people cry women cry when he loses or takes a serious um injury in a match so the fans are invested in naito over there they want to see him have this moment and i think it would just kind of propel his popularity to the next level if he's able to walk out of Tokyo Dome with both belts. And it's it's not only that. Like, there are fans who are like, well, there are people who were more deserving, you know, this year that should have been here, like a Will Ospreay, like a Tomohiro Ishii from an in-ring standpoint, you mm-hmm. know, and and some of those people would be like, hell, give me, you know, and they'll, they'll name someone else, I don't know, Juice Robinson or some, right. some crazy. Sonata. Sonata, yeah, hell, give me Sonata, you know, whatever. But here's the thing. Um... There's only one thing left to do with Naito that they've never done, and that's go with the guy. And they held it off for as long as they could. There are people who criticized New Japan when Okada beat him in the Tokyo Dome two years ago. And look at where the company is now as far as their visibility, as far as the business that they drew for the last two years. You can't argue with the business. And at the end of the day, wrestling is a business. You can't argue with the decisions that they've made so far. But at this point... Because, again, we're talking about wrestlers being commodities. Tatsuya Naito is one of the hottest commodities that they have. And, uh, you know, Abushi, Jay White, Will Ospreay, maybe even Sonata. Those are all guys that the company, and even Okada. Those are all guys that have bright, long futures with the company, even like a Shingo. There's tons of star potential here. 
Naito is the one guy that they need to go with him now. Yeah. They need to go with him now because it's time to capitalize on his popularity to see what he can do with the company on his back. And I'm not saying it's going to be a year-long reign. I don't know what the what the uh, long-term plan is for him. I think that he. I think if he wins and he gets both belts, I don't think it'll be like a Tanahashi transitional reign. I right. think he. I would, can see him at least a minion. Yeah. Um. No, I would say at least at the very least through April, whatever the big April show ends up being this year, whether it's Sakura Genesis or or, uh, like last year they did the G1 the Supercard. Super yeah. That would be the very least a three to like a four month reign yeah. at the very least. Uh, it could go to Dominion, you know that sort of thing. But um, they've never they've never capitalized on this guy's popularity, so we don't know how high he could hypothetically carry the company. Okada is still great, but he's in the middle of what most people would call one of his most lackluster you know title runs, and there's no one who is hot like that, you know. Will Ospreay has been pushed. These other guys I listed could get that hot if given the given the chance and given the uh, the run. But you know, as good of a year as Ibushi's had, as good of a year as Jay White's had, and as good of a year as all those other guys, Ishii, Shingo, Will Ospreay have had, none of them are in the position to turn around tomorrow and be hot enough to carry the company. In fact, I think Sonata's probably hotter than all those guys. To be honest with you, yeah, from a domestic standpoint, um, it's time for it's time for Naito to get the belt. It just is. That's what the company needs to do. And if it's, you know, we'll see what the business says after they put the belt on him. It's not so much about the build. Yeah, you want to build it well so that it draws and so that you get eyes on it and so that there's there's buzz. Mm-hmm. And th- there's definitely a lack of buzz in the West for this show. It, it's not buzzing the way it was when Kenny was on, on top and you had your domestic, you know, um, your Chris Jericho's coming over and stuff like that. There's not as much buzz for it as there was before. But I think at the end of the day, when people see how stacked both cards are and the fact that it's two nights in a row and the real draw is going to be that there's a double title match mm-hmm. and the, the level of talent that are here, it, when Naito wins, it's going to put him over, over oh. the top. And people are going to forget the lacklusterness of, of the, um, you know. Now, I'm not saying that, this is going to turn around and heal Naito's legs or that he's going to turn around and start having five-star matches after the dome. The, he, who knows? Like these performances could break, <laughs> could right, literally yeah. break him. but they have to go with him because if they don't go with him at this point, then the company has missed the boat on the hottest commodity that they've had in the last five years. Right. And so like we mentioned with, with his body, like he's clearly breaking down. You gotta capitalize on him now, where he can still. I mean, he's he's had some very good matches. He's still able to go. Yeah. So it's just not that 2017 level like we saw like G1 finals with Kenny level. Right. But um, it's still very good. And so I think we can still have a lot of very good, very good main events with him as the champion, depending on some of these guys and with the right dance partners. I mean, he could have some, you know, outstanding title main events next year. Now we're not the bookers, but I, you know, and. Who knows? I mean, they could do whatever they want to do. But if they hold this off for another year, then they've made a, a really, really grave mistake in my my mind. And it's a it's a wonder that Naito's even as hot as he is after all this time. Mm-hmm. I can't fathom that he would still be as hot next year or that other guys right. 
like all these people that are breathing down his neck that we just mentioned aren't ready to step into that role based on the booking. In fact, they probably would have to be. Right. I think, yeah, I think um, if, if Naito doesn't walk out with both belts, this, this, would, is, this is it. It's a breaking point for the domestic crowd, I would believe, because, I mean, they've been through a lot of heartbreak. They've been very patient with the booking and the story. And if he doesn't win here, I mean, that's, I, I would think a lot of people will kind of throw a towel in. And it's funny because I've had conversations with our friends, and I feel like they think I'm copping for Naito like that because I'm like, because uh, cause we're the New Japan guys that I'm copping for this. And I'm like, no, it's not that. It's not like I'm a uh, a Naito mark. It's just that this is the right business decision to make. Right. If they weren't going to have done this, then they shouldn't be putting him in this position at all. He should just be having a nice little match with somebody else like a John Moxley or an Ishii or some someone else. Who knows? Lance Archer. I don't know. He shouldn't be in this position at all if he's not going to win both belts. Right. I mean. Because uh, Jay White beating him or, you know, Ibushi or, or Okada – what any of those three guys? What does that really do for them? I mean, sure they they're gonna get a double title run, but like, I don't see how it benefit. Like, I don't see how it propels them right. the way that it's gonna propel him by beating any combo of those two. Right, those beating guys. Naito is not gonna get any of those guys more over. It's gonna be like, all right, you beat him. A lot of other people have beat him in the previous they've, year. They've, um, Abushi and Jay White have both beat him this year. Right, so it's like it's not a huge deal for them. It's not going to elevate them to the next level. But Naito coming off this, you know, not so great year and beating Jay White, a two guy, years, yeah, and, and <laughs> uh, beating a Jay White who was who beat Okada in the Dome last year, who may have been at a, a Madison Square Garden, beating an Ibushi um, who's had a phenomenal year. That's going to skyrocket him. Beating Okada in the Tokyo Dome, which he's been unable to do. The the one the one brass ring that he has not been able to grab, that's that's going to propel him to to you know superstar above superstar level. Now here's the only way that this is really a mistake, and it's the only way. If they if they if Naito goes in there, and he has lackluster matches, and they and they put him over, then it's probably been they probably waited too long and it probably is a mistake. Now for some fans they'll still eat it up, but there will there will be people watching it and be like, Y'all choose y'all chose this dude. This y'all champion. This y'all's champion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll be like that scene from Black Panther. <laughs> this y'all champion. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's what's gonna happen. I really don't. I think that he's going to go in there, and I think, like, Naito's going to have his game face on come January 4th and January 5th, and I think, like, he's... You can't convince me he's not beating he's not beating Okada in the Tokyo Dome on January 5th. I'm sorry. You just really can't. Um, I, I do understand that there's the possibility that they go an opposite way, but at that point, then I'm done with Naito. Like, I don't even care. Even if he does win a belt later on, like, it doesn't mean the same thing as right. it would have. They've, the story is completely gone. They, they would have jumped the shark by that point, in my yeah. opinion. Um, I do see why there's people who have, I, again, I didn't like the promo that they did. Um, part of the problem is because this is a touring company that doesn't have weekly television and they don't have a strong social media presence. I don't know how they hyped this up to really get people invested in the prospect about, um, the matches from a, a, a promo standpoint. Mm -hmm. It really just has to be off the name power at this point and, and the, uh, intrigue of a double champion and you know the fact that it's the tokyo dome and it's the product it's really not going to be about the feud 
And that's the one thing that is, it's funny because last year there was a lot, a lot of criticism about Tanahashi and Omega and about how the feud didn't make sense and it was too meta. And I don't even know why these guys are fighting. And this year it's like way less. Right. There's not. There's the story is so much less, except for unless you're considering that it's Naito's, you know, um, you know, his flair for the gold. (laughs) Right. Yeah. His kind of redemption story. Right. So, I mean, that's that's what I'm seeing. Like, I can't imagine that. I don't think this is Ibushi's moment. I don't think it's Jay White's or or Okada's. I, I, I think that I could be happy with any of these main events, possibly. But like. Why did they protect Naito and Okada for two years if they weren't going to do it January 5th? Right. Like, that's what they're doing. Right. That's what they should have just done it in G1 or something if they weren't going to do it yeah. here. Yeah. So, uh, well, let's hear from the people. We have a lot of questions here. First from uh, Reddit user, why did you do that, bro? He says, so if Naito wins a double title, do you think the winner of the third place match or whatever you want to call it will challenge at new beginning? Could Naito lose on the first Defense to Jay or Ibushi. Um, hmm. So the runner-up match would essentially be a f- number one contender match, right? In the situation that he's kind of painting here, uh, it's possible. I've also considered that um, the way that I'm thinking about that that runner runners-up match is that it's really essentially a way to push one guy down so that they have their own uphill battle going into the new year and then to kind of keep one of the guys semi-strong. But I don't know if that automatically qualifies them for a title shot. Right, because they would have lost to the double champion the night before. Right. I mean, of course, there's probably people listening to this right now and they're like, well, isn't that what just happened with Naito? (laughs) (laughs) And they probably have a valid point there, but... um, I don't know if that's the what we really have to wait for, to be honest, and we always have to keep this in mind. They usually set up the new beginning feud at New Year's Dash, which is what we're going to be getting. Right, January 6th. Everybody said it's going to be a big mystery card. Um, so I think that runners-up thing is really going to be something to probably establish a feud between the... I mean, I'm assuming right now it's going to be Jay White and Ibushi. Yes, that's what I'm assuming also. And if you want my honest opinion, I think Ibushi's losing. Same here. Oh, you do? Yeah, I think because remember, Ibushi beat him at uh, G1. Right. And so I think Jay will get the win back. You have Ibushi lose back-to-back, and then that's the new redemption story for 2020. That's exactly it's what Ibushi I think is It's Ibushi trying to uh, recover and get back to the top. Yep, I, I completely think that's what it is. And there's probably people right now who are diehard Golden Star fans, and they're groaning. They're like, this guy won the freaking G1, and he's going to lose back-to-back in the Tokyo Dome, yeah, that's probably what's happening. Um, and it, it does keep Jay White strong. And there's probably people, people who are like, they're going to put Jay White over Kota Ibushi. Oh, my God. Who knows? They might go the opposite way. Hey, but. Jay White beat Kazuchika Okada in 14 minutes. In the Tokyo in, Dome. In Tokyo yeah. Dome. So he can beat Kota Ibushi after losing the Naito on night one. Yeah. Now, uh, so I, I, I'm not counting on that match to be the automatic title eliminator. I think whoever wins it is definitely in contention. Um, but, you know, we got New Japan Cup coming up after that. I think we have to see what happens at New Year's Dash. Um, could Naito lose on his very first defense? He could. But I don't... He could. I think it would be a big mistake, though. I mean... 
part of the whole thing is like if he doesn't get a prolonged run, they're able to turn around and say, well, we put both belts on him. So that's his big crowning achievement. Mm-hmm. They don't have to have a long title run with him. But at that point, unless there's some real cause for concern, like his body's not going to hold up or the crowd's not receiving it well, which I can't imagine that that would be the case, then, um, yeah, absolutely. I don't think he's losing the belt the belt in his first title defense. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user Rambone Slam Pig. He says, first, a comment. I really enjoyed Chris Samsa as a guest last week. Then he says, for my question, how do you think Gato will handle the issue of both top belts being on one guy after the double gold dash? Will the IC title be vacated? Will the belts be defended simultaneously? Will they be defended separately? More importantly, what will the other three top guys do with one less top belt around? I love the idea of the double gold dash, but I'm seeing some of the, some of the logistical issues, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how they will work it all out. Hmm. What do you think? Well, I mean, he presented a lot of different routes they could go. I don't think that they're going to unify the belts. I think they, for whatever reason, they see value in history in the Intercontinental Championship. Um, so I, th- I don't. I don't think the belts will be defended simultaneously. I think they'll probably go the route of dual tile defenses. And then that can even set up a bigger, like kind of story for Naito where he's a champion where he has two sets of challengers coming after him. And you could do a big show where he has to defend both belts in one night. And then you could do the old thing where he loses one belt earlier in the night. And then he's able to retain the second belt as the main event of the night. You could, but to me, that's very WWE. Um, I mean, that's yeah, that's my conditioning. <laughs> yeah, and that's very WWE to me. I really, I don't think they're unifying these belts. I mean, they could. It's not unheard of, you know. Mm-hmm. There's the All Japan Triple Crown, of course. I don't think that's what they're doing. But, um, I mean, I don't know, man, like, do you want your do you want your IWGP champion to be carrying two belts and then to lose the IC belt? So you have him dropping. I mean, if you want my opinion, if he drops the IC belt to let's just throw a name out there. Let's say it's uh, I don't know Sonata, or or I don't know who who would be a good challenger for Naito for the IC belt. Not Sonata. They're in the same faction. <laughs> yeah. Let's see somebody from a different faction. Um, Ishi- Ishii. Okay, Ishii. Actually, let's say Zack Saber. Okay, Zack Saber taps him out, takes the takes the white belt. Right later in the night, he defends the the black belt against Suzuki, beats him. Why wouldn't Why wouldn't like Zack Saber automatically immediately get an IWGP title shot off that? I think he would. That that would, that would set up your next show. But then he also has the white belt, so that's kind of stupid. Do you see what I'm saying? Now yeah. now the white belt is still tied up on another guy, and you've also devalued your IWGP champion because he took a big loss in a singles match right you know, right before. He, that's just too convoluted. I really think this is what they're going to do, and I'm pretty confident about it. Whoever wins the white belt and the black belt, are going to just vacate the IC title and they're going to have some sort of eliminator or tournament to crown a new champion. Yeah. Cause well, with Okada's promos, uh, especially at the, at the end of the San Jose show, he talked about only wanting to have the IWGP heavyweight title 
and he didn't really care. And he's been saying he doesn't really care about having the IC title. It's secondary to him. Why would he want that? That is uh, a stupid thing for them to have him out there saying that. I don't like that. It's not good promotion for this uh, double title match. For this double title match at all. Um, so obviously, like, I don't think Okada's winning. But if Okada wins both belts, definitely he would vacate it. Um, with Naito though winning both belts, I mean, he's kind of had this story where he's kind of come around and has appreciated the IC title, and he's kind of wanted to be a double champion. So it would be kind of weird if he finally hits that. And he's like, you know what? I, I'm tired. Of, I, I hate the white strap again. And I'm going to vacate it. He wouldn't do that. He would just vacate it and say that you know he's accomplished his goal. He respects this belt. He now ha- he now needs to focus his attention on the IWGP title, and he wants to uh, relinquish the belt. So so that other deserving contenders can fight for it. Yeah, it's real simple. Yeah, I think that's what any champion would probably do. The only person I could see like trashing it is Jay White because he's the heel and he'd be like, I don't need this, and he could devalue it. But everyone else. Doesn't have to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think that I think the winner's just going to vacate it. And it makes sense. I mean, Goldberg held the U.S. belt and the WCW title. He vacated the U.S. belt. Ultimate Warrior won the IC title and the WWF title. He vacated the IC title. There's a precedent. Those are different companies. But there's a precedent that when a guy wins both titles, why would he continue to, to defend the secondary belt? I didn't like this past year when Becky Lynch was holding both belts and then she was champ champ, but then she lost the one belt and then that got her even more. Well, they've already done enough to get her under, but like <laughs> just as an example, having your, your top female champion or your top champion lose one of their belts is not a good look. And then to still promote them as the champion, how are they even champion? That's that, that goes against the idea of being a champion. It's a stupid idea. Yeah, I really, they could do that. I don't like that idea at all. It's very WWE. I don't think that they should do that. I don't think they will. I think that the winner just vacates. Yeah, I mean, that would probably be the, the kind of cleanest way to do it, to protect the champion, and then, like you said, do some kind of tournament, and that will help elevate somebody else to get the white strap. I mean, the only way that you could do it is, like, if you're like, okay, for New Beginning Tour, they do have usually the big shows a week or so apart, but then you have... What, whoever the champion is, Naito, let's say, headline two weeks in a row in big, like, grueling matches like that? Like, that just seems like not a good idea. Plus, you know, I know he's a big draw, and I know that, but, like, absence makes the heart grow fonder. And, I mean, like, how often do we want this guy on the top of the card defending titles? You know what I'm saying? Right, yeah. It's just, that's a little too much to me. I really think they're just going to vacate. Yeah. That probably makes the most sense. I think that's what they're doing. Um, so next question from Reddit user Jar of Peanuts. He says, now that Hiromu watches... Oh, one last thing. Yeah. Also, one reason I think they would do this is because... Hypo- let's say hypothetically that the idea of them defending both belts simultaneously. Well, if they do that and he loses, now whoever won is not the only double champion ever. Right, yeah. So it's not as prestigious. Right. And at that point, you should only keep doing that if you're planning to just incorporate two belts into your top championship. Right, and unify them, yeah. And, and unify them and cut down on your belts. Then at that point, I could see it going forward. But if you're not planning on doing that, that'd be a stupid idea. Yeah. Uh, so from Jar of Peanuts, he says, Now that Hiroma Watch is over, we can get to the real questions. Who is the mole in chaos? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then he goes on and says, between the, the four main players of Wrestle Kingdom this year, who do you think loses both of their matches? Uh, I think we kind of talked about that. We think Ibushi. I think it's Ibushi. Yeah, I think he's losing both matches. I think that's going to be. It could be Jay White, though. 
It could be. But I think it's I think it's Ibushi. I think it's Ibushi also. I think that they're going to somewhat protect Jay White in dome matches going forward, especially after beating Okada. I think you, you kind of keep Jay hot in the dome until you do Jay and Okada again. Yeah. Uh, next question from Reddit user Fonz96. Do you feel this Naito situation at, at Wrestle Kingdom is going to be an all or nothing? I mean, in the sense that, do you think if he's not coming out of Wrestle Kingdom as double champ, he'll probably lose the first night and not even get the chance for the second night? I love Naito and want him to come out on top, but maybe Gato is thinking to beat him in the first night if Naito isn't winning the two belts, just so we all don't get our hopes up and we're even more devastated by a loss for him on January 5th. If you're going to have somebody get devastated like that and you really want to have the most impact by their loss, then it should be Naito. It would be, it would, the same way how it felt like when he lost in the B block final to Jay White, I was like, really? That's what it would feel like again if he were to lose to Jay White again. Yeah. (laughs) In in what essentially is another B block final, a little mini final, because these are the same. Keep in mind, these are the A block and B block finals from the G1 this past year, just done at the Tokyo Dome, which is kind of interesting. Um, no, I, I really don't see that happening. I think if he's losing, he's he's either winning in the top match or he's losing in the top match. I think he's beating Jay White. I can't see Jay White beating him. Yeah, I, I have a very hard time seeing Jay beat him again. But let's say he does lose. I mean, they they advertise that the two losers will face each other. So I think even if he does lose, he would still. God, I do not want to see Ibushi and Naito, Naito again, <laughs> just for the safety of both guys. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm I'm pretty confident it's, we're going Naito Okada here, Jay White and Ibushi. Great question. Um, from our friend Rance over at the Outsider's Edge, who you will be facing in the finals of the Ricky and Clive Wrestling Show Quiz Invitational. Yeah, for those of you listening, if you didn't, uh, we didn't promote it last week. Sorry, sorry, Ricky. Sorry, Clive. <laughs> but uh, I was on the semifinals of the Ricky and Clive uh, Quiz Time Invitational show last week. I went up against Lord Lords of Pain's uh, Sir Sam, and we had a riveting contest. We also, also, I don't know if you guys caught the last couple weeks of Ricky and Clive. We, uh, I, I cut a promo on that man. Yes. Yeah, so the promo was tweeted out on our Twitter account at ki strong style. Uh, Sir Sam put out a, a Twitter on his um, Twitter account. Let's profile. be clear. I, I did not start that 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 uh, that promo war. Like, I had no intention to, like, shoot a video or anything. Yeah, I woke up and there was this, you know, promo from Sir Sam. But um, if you guys didn't catch the episode, me and him, we went to battle. Um, quiz battle, that is. This past <laughs> uh, week, that episode was on the latest episode of Rick and Clive Quiz Time Invitational here on the Social Suplex yeah, Podcast Yes, so Network. go ahead. After you're done here, go if you haven't listened to it, go back and download that episode. It's an awesome quiz. Um, and obviously, we just mentioned that, you know, Young Boy won, and it's going to be facing a ranch in the finals, but go back and listen Rance to the quiz. Rance Morris, a.k.a. at Ray Cash, R-E-Y, like Ray Cash, like money. And I'm gonna beat him like he stole my money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, no. Uh, Rance is a good friend of mine, and uh, uh, they're over on what Chair Shot now. Yeah, they're on the Chair Shot Network, Outsiders Edge. Um, him and um, Kyle Moore's, who's been on this show before. Shout out to Kyle. But um, yeah, Rance has a question for us. But I will be facing Rance, and um, 
I'm looking forward to it. I know he is too. It's it's gonna be a good one. Oh, it's gonna it's gonna be real good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he says, yeah, yes, just one question. <clears throat> Why does Gato keep playing with my emotions? <laughs> so uh, Rance, for you guys who don't know, Rance is a huge um, Tetsuya Naito fan and uh, has been one of those fans that have kind of been you know dragged through the coal through all this heartbreak and um, you know tragedy with Naito. And so he wants to know why Gato's playing with his emotions. Yeah, I um, I really think that you don't really have anything to be. Just be up. Op- let's just say this: be optimistic. Watch both uh, nights of uh, Tokyo Dome, and do yourself a favor, Rance. You don't have to order them this year. Just just get yourself a subscription, uh, New Japan World subscription. This man be out here every year, like actually ordering it, right? Yeah, I think so. Like, don't order it. Just get a subscription and then keep paying for your subscription. Keep watching New Japan and just watch it year round. Drop WWE. <laughs> you don't need to watch that shit anymore. <laughs> it's not as good. Oh, man. And maybe the reason Gato's messing with your emotions is because, you know, you're not faithful to him. You're, you're not know? loyal. You're not, you're, not, you're, not, you're not staying vigilant. <laughs> you're not staying vigilant, man. I don't, I don't know why you have to punish New Japan. <laughs> No, if, if you if you were consistent <laughs> in watching, if you guys don't know, Rance is a Rance is like a die, and he's a self admitted diehard uh, WWE homer. Like he loves WWE, so I, I, I got to get my jabs in. But um, no, I, I I think your emotions are gonna be completely fine. I think, in fact, you might even cry a little bit of a tear because I think this is. I really think this is Naito's moment. Yeah. So, like we mentioned, uh, also on January fifth, we'll have the two non champions facing off against each other in a singles match. That also made official the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, will be taking on Painmaker, the AEW heavyweight champion. A little bit of the bubbly, Chris Jericho. Um, am I supposed to put in my thoughts here? Yeah. Well, I, one thing that's very interesting for those, spoiler alert, for those of you that know don't know, Chris Jericho did retain the AEW World Heavyweight Championship this past uh, weekend at uh, Full Gear when he defeated uh, Cody Rhodes by uh, uh, corner stoppage. So that is a very interesting thing. You know, obviously Chris Jericho isn't going to be bringing out the AEW title to this, you know, show. He's not going to be acknowledged as the AEW World Heavyweight Champion, most likely. But you do have to call into question what kind of uh, politics are going to be at play because they don't have another big show between now and January 4th where it's feasible unless something crazy happens on Dynamite. There's no major pay-per-views for him to defend his belt and lose it. So I'm guessing at this point you're talking about Jericho coming in against Tanahashi at the Dome as still the reigning AEW champion. Right. Which means I can't see a scenario where Chris Jericho loses to Tanahashi in the Dome. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure Jericho's probably winning. Uh, so we do have some questions about this match. Uh, first from Reddit user Just a Little Bear Zero One says, "Makes me super sad to consider this, but do you think Tanahashi Jericho could be uh, Tanahashi's last high-profile Wrestle Kingdom match?" Yeah, I mean it could be. I mean. I know we've talked about Tanahashi and how he's been kind of hanging on, and but you know he's also another guy that's kind of been de- depreciating and breaking down, and 
I mean, he's he's still been able to go. I mean, he's kind of. I mean, he had a good year this year. Um, but yeah, I don't know how much longer he can be featured in big, high-profile matches. Yeah, I mean, I think he's got another year in him, and if you wanted to put him in a singles role next year in some capacity for sure, but this might be it. I mean, we're on borrowed time with Tanahashi. I mean, no one knows for sure. They, you know, we take it day by day when it comes to the ace, but uh, this could be it, man, and he might be losing. I think he's losing at Jericho. Yeah, similar question from a friend of the show, Danny. He says, do you think this is likely Tana's final Wrestle Kingdom singles match? Does next year see his transition into New Japan dad status? I don't know. Um, you know, the whole New Japan dad thing is so interesting because that's almost a more modern construct if you really think about it. Like, the previous generations of top guys like Ricky Choshu and um, Fujinami, guys like that, yeah, Hashimoto, Kensuke Sasuke, they... They all, yes, to some degree, some of them, especially like Cho, uh, Ricky Choshu, did kind of stick around for different periods, but they all eventually left to go to greener pastures and to continue their careers on, you know, in either in different companies or in, um, you know, even like just as an independent act where they could be more important than the talent level that New Japan had at the time. Uh, it's only been recently in the past generation where the current crop of, of older generation stars stayed. And most of that was because of the changing dynamics of the wrestling industry in Tokyo. Um, you know, there's definitely something to be said for loyalty in, in Japanese wrestling, but at the same time, business is business. And I, I don't know if there had been a place for them to go that we would still be seeing Tenzan and Kojima and Nakanishi. There just didn't happen to be anywhere else that they even could really go. Right. Like no other promotion in Japan was hot. Nobody in the West really. What were they going to do? Go to Noah? Yeah. You know, go to all Japan? You know, they can't work Dragon Gate, you know, uh, do crazy DDT matches. The, the, the company that was on the come up and on the rise was New Japan, and they were able to find comfortable roles, you know, working on the undercard, uh, supporting the younger guys, working in the dojo. And so this whole. New Japan dad thing is like a modern construct. It hasn't always been that way. You know, like I said, you know, it's not like we've, we're seeing these older generation top guys all do the same thing. Right. You know, so it is interesting to ask, is Tanahashi going to go the same way as your Nagatas or is Tanahashi cut from a different cloth? And is he going to maintain some other status? That's not quote unquote new Japan dad status or could we even hypothetically see him eventually leave the company? I mean, that almost sounds unfathomable. I'm not suggesting that's the case, but like I find it hard to believe that in the next year or two he's just going to strictly be an undercard tag guy like like Nagata. Yeah, I have a hard time picturing him in a New Japan dad status. Honestly, when he's done, I could see him being a, a coach at the dojo, maybe doing some commentary with a Japanese team, kind of being an ambassador for the company. Uh, but I have a hard time seeing a guy that he, he saved the company, got him out of the dark ages. I have a hard time, unless he just really wants to do it, him being in that you know, opening role. Sometimes I think that he will take on a role that's more similar to Liger. 
Right. Like, I'm, like yes, a more reduced role, but then he'll still come out once or twice a year and have big money matches because he, let's face it, he's a much bigger star than Kojima or Nagata ever were, you know, because they happened to be on top at a time period when the business was down in Japan. He's not from that same time period, and so I find it hard for it to for us to say that he's going to be relegated to that level. When truth be told, he's like some of these other led these part timers in the in the West who can show up and pop business like a Triple H or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. He's much more akin to a John Cena or a Batista or, or a Triple H or someone like that um, than like a, a kind of forgotten guy who's just taken on that sort of role. So. He might, he might kind of step into a dad status, but I really wouldn't be surprised if he does end up having other singles matches at in the Tokyo Dome later on. They just might not be for major titles. They just, you know what I mean? Right. So okay. it remains to be seen, but I don't know. I, I think I think that Tanahashi's different from the rest of those New Japan dads, and I feel I feel like people need to kind of remember that um, that he'll probably be closer to Liger. Right. You know, yeah, Liger is like a grumpy dad and all that. Yeah, he's old. But he's still Liger, and we're evidenced by his run this past year. Like, yeah, he's old, but he's Liger. Right. That's how it's going to be for Tanahashi. He's not just going to be like, oh, that's that old guy. <laughs> like, it's not going to be like that. We're not going to hear, you know, opening match, go ace. <laughs> we, mi- we might. We might, you know, because sometimes when he's on the down, when he's not, like, really involved in big matches, we do see that on, like, minor tours. But I really don't see a, a period where he's not out here having big matches at some point. Yeah. On some level. Uh, next question we kind of already answered from Maserati. Is, is it possible for Jericho to beat Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom? Yes. I think it is. <laughs> Tanahashi could be eating a juice effect. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, definitely. And then uh, the last announced match for the January 5th Tokyo Dome show Taiji Ishimori and El Phantasmo taking on Sho and Yo, the winners of the uh, Super Junior Tag League. And this match will be for the IWGP Junior Tag Team titles. Yeah, I think this will be, uh, you know, very good match. They've been telling a story between both these teams in the Super um, Junior Tag League. You know, both these teams, they had they tied it with points, but Rapungi 3K beat them to get into the finals. Uh, we had... Uh, Phantasma and Show facing off on Showdown, which we're about to go over in a second. Um, and so they're, they're definitely kind of building this rivalry. You know, Bull Club stole the trophies from them after they won them. So they've been kind of heating this thing up, and I think it'll be a really good match. Yeah. So, yeah, so that wraps up the all the current announcements for uh, Wrestle Kingdom 14. Um, as the weeks get closer to the show, I'm sure there'll be more matches. I'm sure World Tag League, which we'll preview after uh, New Japan Showdown, There'll be some seeds planted on some stuff in World Tag League as well. Um, so we move on now to the New Japan Pro Wrestling Showdown, which happened in San Jose, in the San Jose uh, Civic Center, with an attendance of 2,027 people. Uh, so we have a question here from Muzza. It says, what are your thoughts on Tiger Tori on commentary? I felt he did nothing bad, but nothing good. It was just kind of there. So yeah, Tiger was on English commentary with Kevin Kelly for this show. Uh, I didn't think that. I mean, like, I've definitely heard more egregious, uh, you know, primarily Japanese speakers. I mean, uh, Yoshitatsu. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I don't think Tiger Hattori has bad English or anything like that. I thought he was no. fine. I mean, he, he was fine. He was there. He's having a good time. Just enjoying. This was a minor show, by the right. way. Yeah. He's like, you know, he's he said several times, you know, I've never been here on the commentary. Like, it's, it's an experience for him. And um, I thought uh, Kevin Kelly did an excellent job, like, getting him to interject and kind of bouncing off of him and calling the show. Uh, I thought he was fine. The only thing that there were some times where it seemed like Rocky was trying to make jokes and like kind of create like a, uh, like a rat a tat tat between them. And I don't think Tiger <laughs> was picking up on it necessarily, but I, I thought Tiger was fine. I enjoyed it actually. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it wasn't like Moses said, it wasn't bad, but it he was, said he did nothing good. And I, and he was just kind of there. I think it was a little more than that. Like, I think that Tiger had, first off, Tiger Hattori is literally the most famous Japanese professional wrestling referee ever in history so there's that and you know he is he officially retired or he's retiring at the tokyo dome uh i think i think he's just retired in the u.s now yeah but i think he's retiring the tokyo dome because the um then the philly show i think was his last u.s right so i mean i don't know like tiger tori is like a legendary figure in new japan pro wrestling i thought he was i thought he did a good job yeah for 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 someone who doesn't speak english as their first language I'll I'll take Tiger Tori over Lanny Poffo. Yeah, all day, every day. I I I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. So this card opened up. We had Young Lion action with Ren Narita and Alex Coglin, um, two LA Dojo guys. Um, I really enjoyed this match. What do you think about it? I liked it. Uh, there was a shooty element to it. Just a lot of uh, chain grappling and amateur styled wrestling in the early goings of this match. Very hard hitting. Yeah, dude, uh, Coglin was chopping and slapping the crap out of Ren Narita, man. Just sounding off, echoing out through that uh, Civic Center. Yep, it was a really good match. And, you know, even though Ren Narita is a recent uh, transplant, they, I think they were talking about how, like, there's um, suspicion in the dojo that he is a New Japan spy. Did you hear them say that? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's interesting. The, mole, the mole in the L.A. dojo. The mole in the L.A. dojo. <laughs> But, um, you know, Narita and Coglin had a really good match, but what I really enjoyed about it was the end where Narita just caught him with his uh, bridging, uh, what is it, the Northern Lights? The uh, Narita Special Number 4. Okay, Narita Special Number 4. Because it didn't feel like, oftentimes when Narita's wrestling other young lions because he's more of a senior, it will come off like that they're fighting from underneath and he's dominating and then he overcomes them. This was not that. This was portrayed as two guys who were equal. And Narita just happened to catch Coglin at the right moment because he timed him properly. And that Narita special came out of nowhere and the match just ended suddenly. And I liked that because up to that point, it was a very competitive contest. Mm -hmm. And when Narita hit it, I was like, oh, he caught him. And, you know, you don't say that a guy caught somebody when they're dominating them. No, this was competitive. And then he just happened to catch him. And I was like, oh, hell yeah, Narita. (laughs) Hell yeah, Narita. And then that, that was it. I liked it. So next up, we had... Um, also, before we continue, because yeah. I got some thoughts about this next match, but um, I really liked this uh, San Jose Civic Auditorium. I really liked this, the setting, and I also thought the production was leaps and bounds better than any of the other U.S. shows that they've done without access involved. Yeah, the the arena looked great. The, the production... <clears throat> excuse me. The production looked uh, much better. Much better. This is probably the best U.S. produced show, maybe outside of G1 Supercard. 
outside of any of the access shows. Right. Well, were there any access? Oh, well, G1 and... Um, I'm talking about just ever in history. Uh, gotcha. Also, just talking about this year. Oh, this year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, the G1 in, in, Dallas. in Dallas was yeah. produced by them, and that, was, that looked fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, this would be, like, probably, like, number three as far as U.S. shows this year. It looked it looked good. It yeah. looked really good. Camera work looked good. Like the arena, like the the stage looked good. Um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there before we continue. I don't want to forget. Yeah, so you know we we were harping on production stuff from the, um, you know the Northeast tour, the Fighting Spirit Unleashed tour, and they definitely picked things up here with this uh, show. Second match of the night. Yes, uh, Liger's um, last televised U.S. match. So it was Jushin Thunder Liger teaming up with Aaron Solo, taking on the World Tag League team of Colt Cabana and Toriano. Yeah, so this match, um, what the hell? Dude. What 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 is New Japan thinking? I don't think, uh, did we know the card last week when when we did our show? I don't think we did. I think it was announced the day after we recorded. Yeah, so I mean, we we've been speculating about Liger's final match in, in um, San Jose. Now, don't get me wrong; I didn't anticipate Liger and some big name Liger and Will Osprey. Yeah, I didn't expect that, and I didn't expect someone to come off the Indies that's like a big superstar, or some AEW guy, or or some PWG stud, or anything like that. I but I did expect them to give us something. Singles match Someone who has meaning to this guy Whether it be like I don't know Taguchi or You know someone I mean if you want in my opinion Well let me ask you This past weekend was that that Was the MLW Pay per view this past weekend No there was um, MLW TV tapings The uh, Blood and Thunder TV tapings in Orlando That's right okay Cause I mean What I had wanted them to do And what they should have done is I wanted them to do Pillman Jr Right that would have that would have been the perfect match. Yeah. That would have totally, you know, been a great story. You know, he had that first match on Nitro with um, Pillman Sr., and then you could have tied that story so well with him facing off Pillman Jr. in his last U.S. match. Yeah, there's there, – and, I mean, any anyone would have been – bro, literally anyone would have been better. Instead, we got Colt Cabana and Toriano, who will be team, teaming up in the uh, World Tag League here this coming year. You know, they're a comedy duo – uh, taking on Liger and Aaron Solo, and you know Aaron Solo is what uh, he's a local guy from California. We've seen him. Yeah, we saw him in the um, the Australia shows. Yeah, um, he started training at the Fale Dojo. He met uh, Fale met him when Fale was um, in did, the states. Did he work ROH back in the day? Is that the deal? Uh, he might have done a couple of shots. He was never officially part of the roster. Um, I also think he he's the one that's dating Bailey. I think he's Bailey's fiance. Yeah, uh, yeah, he's done a lot of like indie stuff around the U.S. He might have done some Ring of Honor shots, but then he went to the Fale Dojo, and I, I think he also trained at the Storm Wrestling Academy. And um, like I said, we saw him at those um, Southern Showdown shows. I mean, yeah, Aaron Solo's been all over the place. Like, I think he even was like a. Cruiserweight classic alternate at one point Yeah I think he was yeah So I mean he's he's kind of been all over the place But like you know Aaron Solo Like no history in New Japan He's teaming up with Liger 
Uh, I mean, sure, if they're going to bring Aaron Solo. This is nothing against Aaron Solo. He was totally fine in this match. If, if they're going to bring him back, that's cool. I think he's a pretty talented guy. Although it was weird to see someone work such an indie-rific style against all these like <laughs> older, you know, Toriano and Colt Cabana. That was kind of weird. But they treated this, even though this was Liger's last match in the U.S., They it's second from the top. It was really just a match to get Colt Cabana and Toriano on the card in a tag capacity so they could pick up a win and build up momentum going into World Tag League. That just seemed like such an unfitting thing for... Jushin Thunder Liger, who is one of the last truly big Japanese superstars to make their trek from Japan to the U.S. and really carve out like an international name for themselves here. And I mean, this is a guy who, I mean, you know, obviously if you're listening, you know who Liger is. But I'm, I mean, Liger is like vast history here in the states. I mean, he was a major star in WCW. He had tons of appearances in ROH, uh, tons of appearances in TNA. He even had that appearance in NXT. Right, against Tyler Breeze on TakeOver. So, I mean, he's been throughout the years in various capacities featured as a major, major, major star outside of Japan. And that's not even counting, like, the stuff he did in Stampede or CMLL and that sort of thing. So, for his last U.S. show ever... To be in this kind of match against a comedy duo in an in an eight minute nothing match with Aaron Solo. Now the one thing I will say is the crowd was extremely awesome here. Yeah, but other than that, this sucked. I was like actually angry watching it, and it's one of the few times. Well, not few times, but it's one of the times where I was just like, "What the fuck is wrong with New Japan Pro Wrestling? Why the fuck did they book this? This is a terrible decision." Yeah, like they could have literally put. Cabana and Yano against any other <laughs> lower card team to get them a win, and then they could have done like there's, dude, do do Liger and a young line, right? Do do Liger and Ishimori, do Liger and anybody, bro, Rocky Romero, I don't know, Jado, uh, El Fantasmo, show, whoever, it, it really doesn't matter. Amazing Red, I don't really care who it is. Anybody, dude, anybody. I feel like he should have gotten a one on one match. And it should have been lower on the card or been, higher on the card, and it should be treated as a you know a big time match. I would have been fine if it was Ren Narita or like Clark Connors. Yeah, but we didn't get that. We got this, so it was fine. Uh, oh, and uh, Aaron Solo got beat by Colt Cabana with the uh, Superman roll up pin. Yeah, Superman pin. Uh, yeah. The match was fine. It was fine. Whatever. It was you know nice little lighthearted match. Yano and Cabana were doing their. Their comedy stuff and I I get it. It's not Jushin Liger's last match ever, and they're giving him the big send off in you know the Tokyo Dome. So, so I get it, and they've done right by him, and they've given him a lot of moments this year. But like he had that awesome send off in Mexico in that triple threat match or or the four way match. They should have done something for him here in the states, right? And this this sucked. Yeah, this was like one of the you know. One of the worst calls of the year. Um, one other thing I want to mention: this crowd is this the most Japanese U.S. crowd that you've ever seen? Because I think it is for me. I know I, I wasn't really paying attention much to when they dude. The crowd was like this: dead silent. Something would happen. Ooh, something else happened. Yeah, <laughs> like no one was standing up. Everyone was just sitting in their seats, completely quiet. This was a crowd of diehard New Japan fans. New yeah. Japan fans. I've never seen a U.S. crowd act like a Japanese crowd that I can ever remember. Never. This is the only time I can ever remember seeing it. 
and I was watching it, and I was like, this is like a Japanese crowd, but in America. These people were really, this was a really, I don't know if, like, I'm wondering if, like, they got coached by New Japan before the show started on what to do and how to act. Right. Because I've never seen a U.S. crowd do this. I mean, we've been to, uh, I, I think at this point, technically speaking, three branded New Japan shows here in the States. Yeah. The fans never acted like right. this. Right. We, we normally get, like, your typical Western indie crowd chanting, trying to get themselves. Like forever. <laughs> both these guys. Uh, they did. There was a both these guys chant in one yeah. of these shows. But, yeah. Uh, but, it yeah. Was I mean, weird. It was weird. The crowd was really respectful. I did really think they had, they had a lot of energy. I thought they were a great crowd. They but, did. Yeah. But they, but, they, but they did it at the appropriate times. Right. It was weird. Uh, but yeah, so yeah, so we mentioned Cabana Yano got the win here. Cabana hit the the, uh, the Superman pin on Solo, and then we move on to the next tag match. We have Desperado and uh, Minoru Suzuki taking on the Young Line team of Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks. Uh, nothing much here. This was a fine uh, little match. I enjoyed seeing Suzuki come out and just brutalize Young Lions. Dude, Carl Fredericks is brave. Yeah, that man was. Uh, you know, striking Suzuki hard, pushing him off the apron, getting in his face, um, challenging him. And, of course, he uh, he paid the price for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, good match. Obviously kind of a highlight for um, – I mean, the, the Young Lions did get a lot in this match on both, on Suzuki and Desperado. Uh, but, of course, it came down to the end with Suzuki hitting the gotch pile driver on Carl Fredericks and getting the big win there. Mm-hmm. So then we move on to multi-man action. We had LIJ of Bushi, Evil, and Sonata taking on the team of TJP, Juice Robinson, and Tomohiro Ishii. And uh, we got to talk about Juice's physique. You uh, called me when we were... Uh, <laughs> you, were, you were a little bit ahead of the show than I was, and I was getting ready to start the show, and you called me, man, to talk, talk about... Jesus physique, and then when I got to the match, I was like, oh, my gosh. Yeah, bro, I wasn't exaggerating. No, like, Juice is packing on some LBs right now, man. He's he's cultivating mass. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know if that's just kind of like, uh, you know, getting ready to go in a tag league. I don't need to be in the best shape, and then I'll cut weight in, like, December and be in great shape for Wrestle Kingdom. Dude, I don't know what it is. I've never seen Juice be out of shape like this. And, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, one thing I thought about was, like, maybe maybe the booking has gotten him a little despondent is a possibility. Maybe uh, – I know he mentioned that he just, that he's living in Tokyo now and he's able to, like, have his own food. Maybe he – Maybe he's going buck wild out there on the streets <laughs> of Rapongi and like just living it up. Uh, I don't know. Maybe he's but, a lot of sponsor dinners. Yeah, a lot of sponsor dinners. Like I don't know. <laughs> uh, I mean, Juice is still, you know, he was still out there wrestling, but like it, it is weird. Like he kind of let his hair grow out, and it's at this weird like mid length, and then like his physique is. Yeah, he's very doughy. Yeah, man. I don't know. He's never looked like that at any point in the in you know this past year or s- since he's been in New Japan. So I thought that was interesting, and I mean. You compare that to TJP, who like was looking doughy earlier this year when he was uh, trying to get out of his WWE contract, and now he's shredded. Yeah, this guy is just freaking. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, but uh, that was like the big talking point <laughs> of the match. Yeah, I mean, like all Lij multi man matches was uh, pretty good. Kind of a weird team of TJP, Jason Ishii, three guys that are not really affiliated with each other whatsoever, um, kind of teaming up. 
what came down to Juice and Bushi. Juice with that left hand of God. Pulp Friction, one, two, three. TJP, Juice, and Ishii beat LIJ, which is which is almost kind of surprising considering um, Evil and Sonata are going to be in the World Tag League, and they're like one of the top teams. And then uh, well, I think Juice is also, though. Yeah, Juice and Finley are. Uh, but I don't know. I feel like it might have made more sense for maybe one of those guys to pick up a win over TJP, maybe. Well, I think Juice, we'll talk about it, but I think Juice has a very, very good shot at winning the World Tag League this year. Yeah. So I don't think that's that surprising. Gotcha. So then we move on to another six man tag. We had a chaos team here of Rocky Romero, Yo, and Hiroki Goto taking on the Bullet Club team of Jado, Taiji Ishimori, and Kenta. What do you think about this one? Uh, so this was fine. Um, you know, Rocky Romero, Yo, and and Goto. Uh, you know, they worked well as a unit. You know, we had basically the Chaos team taking on this uh, Bullet Club team. Um, the main thing that I was kind of sitting here, I I wasn't like really into this match a lot. It was just kind of there, but the whole time I was anticipating for Rocky to be the pin eater here, and I was kind of bummed out about that prospect because I was like, oh, he's definitely gonna lose. But then once Jado got in the ring, I was like, oh, 50-50. It could go either way here. <laughs> and uh, ultimately, it did end up being the Chaos team. But um, this, there wasn't a lot for me to kind of sink my teeth into. I mean, obviously, we're, we're building to the um, Rapongi 3K and Bullet Club uh, junior tag team match. So that's why we kind of had Ishimori and Yo on the opposite sides here. Plus Goto and Kenta. Right. So there's a talking point there. Because obviously, you know, a lot of people have been questioning, is it going to be Kenta Jabata, or is it really going to be Kenta and Goto? Yeah, and the whole time I was watching this match, the only thing I was really on the lookout for was where is Shibata? Because they're in LA at the LA, Do- you know, or they're in San Jose, but like they're they're not very far from, relatively speaking, from the LA dojo. I assumed Shibata was going to be there, and I assumed there'd be some sort of retaliation or interaction. Nothing. Yeah. So I. I- and 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 I was waiting for that the whole match. Were, is that where your mind was? Were you I, waiting I, for that? I wasn't really waiting for that because I didn't. I didn't think because it's it's just New Japan Showdown. I didn't know if they would use a Shibata appearance here. I mean, he trains the guys in the LA dojo, right? And you have you have Kenta wrestling in in California. I literally thought that I was like, yeah, of course they're going to do that, and then that never happened. So I was like, well, what's the deal? You know, right. I don't know. And maybe maybe the direction is Kenta and Gocho and they're and Jibata's not wrestling. I don't know. Every everyone keeps saying like, oh, you know, if and and I agree with this. A lot of people are like, listen, you give us a little physicality one time, fine. You do it twice, you better be giving me a, a wrestle kingdom match with Shibata. That's how most people feel. Right. And I agree with them. Again, like I said at the beginning of the show, I don't agree with all of New Japan's booking. But I gotta tell you, I don't think Shibata's wrestling. I really don't think he's wrestling. I don't think he can. I don't think we're ever going to see that again. I would love to be wrong. I hope he's healthy enough to do it. It would it would blow everybody away. But why haven't we even gotten the announcement yet? They had a press conference. They didn't mention it. Well, Kento's in World Tag League, isn't he? Yeah, Kento and Yujiro. And, and what? When are they going to build a Shibata match during World Tag League? Well, maybe it's World Tag League Finals in December. I I think that, are they even having a World Tag League Finals? 
well, there's going to be one last big show, but there it's um, a single block, and, and it's whoever has the most points. Yeah, this year they're just doing whoever has the most points at the very end. Right. But there's, there's going to be one big final show, though. They could do that, I suppose. Um, it's starting to feel, to me, like we're not getting that. Yeah, I mean, that maybe that's why they put Kenta and Goto here to kind of veer direction and make you I focus mean, on that. In the same regard, if they throw Shibata and uh, maybe maybe the reason Shibata and Kenta isn't on yet but is because they're still trying to see if they can even get Shibata cleared. Maybe that's what's happening here. Yeah. And maybe, and you know what? They've got enough big matches announced and big names that if they do throw them on last minute, it's sort of like a little treat. Yeah. But... I don't think he's wrestling, man. It's the same thing I keep telling everybody. I don't think you come back from a subdermal hematoma and wrestle again. I really, it's not like any, it's not like these other injuries that guys recover from. It's not, it's not a concussion. It's not even a broken neck. Like, it's literally brain surgery. Like, people don't come back from that wrestle. They just, they, they cut his skull open, dude. Yeah. He's got, like, he has literally, like, just look it up. Like, <laughs> I don't think he can wrestle. Yeah, I, I don't know what they're going to do, but to me it's seeming like they're trying to set up Kenta and Goto to be the match at Wrestle Kingdom. I think it. I think that is what it is. I think it is Ken, and Kenta and Goto. And then Shibata will second Goto, and then there'll probably be a ref bump. And she, and that's he'll how be involved, and he'll get his comeuppance, and that will be it. Yeah. And people And people won't be happy about that. No, not at all. So, I guess and, we'll and that's New Japan's fault because they shouldn't have teased that that's what they're doing if that's what they're doing. Right. They, they shouldn't have had him get physical if that wasn't what the plan was. Or, like, okay, here's the thing. You want him to get physical? Fine. You want him to get beat up? Fine. Why did he fuck up the Bullet Club? Right. Why? <laughs> <laughs> you had this man come out here and look like a million bucks. He fucked up the Bullet Club and then... He's not going to wrestle. That's the problem. If he was just like doing the page thing and getting beaten up on TV and we're, we're all like, okay, I get it. Like he can't wrestle, but a little physicality, like he's not, you know, but nah, dude, they had him out here. That man was running around, you know, drop kicking, (laughs) looking like, you know, prime Shibata. That's, that's where they fucked up. So yeah, I guess we'll see what happens as we move into world tag league and get closer to the dome. I hope I'm wrong. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would love. I to think, see I think everybody listening is pretty much like, I hope you're wrong too. I would but, love to see Shibata, but I mean, but I feel like I feel like out of everyone that we listen to, I'm the one person, like the one person who's still like, look up a subdermal hematoma. People don't come back from that. No one agrees with me. Like Dave doesn't agree with me. <laughs> 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 no one agrees with me. Everyone thinks everyone thinks the opposite, and I'm sorry, but like, I just don't think I don't see it. Yeah, I'm just I'm just in the, almost in a middle spot. I, I don't know. Like the angles make me think it's he is wrestling, but when you look up that, bro, me too. When I see the angles, I think the same thing too, and I'm like, oh god, he's back. And then it and then it doesn't amount to anything, and I'm like, uh, I guess I was wrong. Yeah, so we we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled on what's happening uh, moving forward there. So then at this point of the show, we had Rocky Romero joining the commentary team. And we had the Rev Pro Cruiserweight Championship on the line as a champion. The headbanger, El Fantasmo, defended against Show 
uh, show pinned Phantasmo in the uh, Super Junior Tag League. That's what set this match up here. And, of course, they're feuding, heading into Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, what do you think about this? I thought this was good. It was the match of the night. Uh, really good match. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not the biggest Phantasmo fan in the world. Um, and there were things that maybe I wasn't, like, a huge, huge fan of. But ultimately speaking, Show and Phantasma went out there. They had a really good match. The crowd was really into it. Um, there, there was definitely like ref bumps and run-ins and things of that nature. And they had some really great near falls where it seemed like Show was going to pick up the win. Mm-hmm. I do have a question. So what's the deal? Because they kept talking about the shock arrow. Which one is the shock arrow? Is it when Show crosses their arms and does a straight pile driver? Or when he crosses their arms and does the package pal driver or both. Because that confused me. I think from best of the super juniors, I'm pretty sure the shock arrow is the cross arm package pal driver. Because there were times in the best of super juniors where he would hit it, hit it like the straight up pal driver and people would kick out. Right. And, that's he, what, and he would have to do the package to get the win. And that's what happened in this match. Phantasmo kicked out of the... the uh, but they they called it the shock arrow, right? And I was like, which one's the shock arrow for Shogun? Because I know that I'm I know you're better about the wrestlers finishing uh, holds names and stuff, and so I was I was like, I need to ask Jeremy. I th- I think, but I think the problem is that I think they probably call them both a shock arrow. Because mm. it's it's you know like the Destino and the running Destino, right? Essentially, it's like the same position, cross arm getting dropped on your head, but based off what they've done, the package version. Is the more powerful move and the one that gets him the wins. I mean, ultimately, what were your thoughts here? I love this match. I thought it was great. <laughs> of course, I, you did. I thought it was. <laughs> I, I love this match. <laughs> I thought it was match of the night. Uh, the crowd was super into this match. Yeah, they told a great story. Uh, show kind of coming in with the back injury that he suffered during the Super Junior Tag League that was worked over in that match, and it's worked over here in this match. You know. Show had a hard time doing a lot of his power moves because of the back injury, and you know we got a lot of great spots with the uh, the multiple German suplexes and the the deadlift German, um, him hitting the uh, the power breaker that uh, power bomb to the the double knees that Project Champa move, Phantasmo uh, looking great once again with all his athletic moves, the, the rope walking, and some of the great stuff he does. Um, I yeah, uh, actually, you know it's funny. There was a really great rope walk. Uh, rope walk spot in the next match and um I, I like i was like who's the better rope walker in this company mm. is it is it lance archer or, <laughs> or is Fantasma, it el Fantasmo? Yeah. uh yeah you know Fantasmo once again pulling out the uh bull club leaders moves hitting the styles clash for a near fall hitting a that. beat I, trigger the crowd was so into it though the crowd was really... Dude, they, they popped huge for the Styles Clash, and he hit the V-Trigger, went for the one-wing angel. They gasped when he got him up in that one-wing angel position. You know, yeah, you notice he, he's never hit it. Right. Of course, they're not going to let him do that. Why wouldn't you? I don't know. That's I don't know if it's... The, I mean, I think New Japan probably wouldn't care, but I think out of respect for Kenny, maybe he wouldn't do it, especially how protected that move is. But, like, okay... We'll we'll talk about Kenny later, but you know the idea of them maybe being at odds with Kenny. Why not let this? Un- why not let Phantasmo hit it and have someone kick out of it? Right. 
I don't maybe it's just a pride thing for Gato. He's like, I chose to protect that move, and yes, we're at odds with Kenny, but I don't want that move being kicked out of. Or maybe it's a, a phantasmo thing. Like I respect Kenny, and I don't want to do that. I don't think that's that. I wonder if like maybe maybe like he's worried about doing it just in general. Like it's maybe not the easiest move in the world to like land if you're not used to it. Mm-hmm. I think that could maybe be part of it. Or maybe it, maybe it's just like a, a false heat spot. I guess and he has no intentions of ever hitting it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. I don't know. It just in the past when when guys that were important in the Bullet Club have hearkened back to uh, you know the past leaders and used their moves and stuff like. And I I know I've said this before, but it, it felt like something that was significant, meaningful, and important. And this just feels like it's just a spot. Well, I think it just adds to Phantasmo's character. Like he's so arrogant and so cocky because normally like jay white has done the styles clash before um i think he's attempted a one-wing angel and then you know aj in the past has done the bloody sunday for finn balor so you you we have had like bullet club leaders do the previous leaders but phantasmo is so arrogant he's so cocky he sees himself on that bullet club leader level that he's pulling off that he's doing these moves in his match at least that's how i see it i get it i just like i don't know he's just got I just don't enjoy Phantasmo. Yeah, I know. There's a lot of it's. It's either people either love him like me or like you that just don't enjoy his matches. But uh, his he's fine. Like he's he's fine. I guess like there are still and I'll just say it. There's still things that I see. Like to me, this to me that's bad uh, psychology. And there's things he does that like I don't know, man. I think part of it is, like, I just see him doing stuff in New Japan that I just don't want to see in New Japan that I'm just, like, it's so wacky and, like, zany. Like, it's not like, oh, this guy is, like, it's, like, meta heat. It's, like, he's doing stuff that's, like, dickish, but I can't take it seriously because he doesn't take it seriously. He's just, like, like, in the camera. (laughs) And I'm, like, he's, like, a parody of a wrestler or some shit. And I'm just, like... And I'm like, maybe, like, it's like Inception. There's, like, four levels of healdom going on here. Like, it's, like, super deep. And I'm like, ah, oh, just, just be like Jay White. Just be a good heel. Like, just. I, I think he is being a good heel. No, I think he, get, I he, think he, he gets a ton of heat. And I, I think that's why the ref's bump spot worked here. Uh, got a ref bump with uh, Ishimori came out. And then Yo came out to make the save. So, you had Yo and Ishimori kind of battling out. And then, uh Phantasmo ends up hitting a low blow and hits the CR two and pins Show to retain the title. Yeah, I don't. I, I maybe I'm just a simple mark and I'm just getting worked like super hard all the time. But I don't know. I I think he does a great job of being a heel, getting heat. I I think he's a, a good wrestler. If you look at his resume this year, he's had a ton of great matches um, in the singles and tag division. I think he's a great addition to Bullet Club. I think he's added a new energy to the faction. And, you know, he's a top runner for me or probably for Newcomer of the Year. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, but in all honesty, this was the match of the night. It was a good match. Um, It was was good. It was good. Yeah, definitely. I think it's if you want to pick one match off this show to watch, I would definitely uh, check this one out. The next match of the night was the IWGP U.S. Championship match between uh, champion Lance Archer defending his belt for the first time against the returning Dave Finley. This match went 13 minutes and 20 seconds. They had a really good video package promo um, explaining the buildup and and the feud between these two guys. 
But um, this match was very surprising to me. In what ways? Well, you have Dave Finley, who's returned from injury, comes out and he challenges Archer. I expected Archer to beat him, and Dave Finley came out, A, with new gear, B, in the best shape that I think I've seen him in since. I think new music also. New music, best shape I've seen him in since his Young Lion days. He gets an early shine spot, and then for like 10 minutes, it's almost all Archer. Towards the end, Dave Finley gets a few hope spots, like he got a spear spot, and he got a rear naked choke, but these were all like desperation moves and then suddenly like the match was over yeah <laughs> like archer took like 90 percent of this match and like he dominated david finley yeah he had a lot of great spots i mean there was uh one spot towards the beginning where he like, took out all the young lions and then he power bombed oh yeah finley into all the young lions and then as they all got back up he did an apron cannonball and <sighs> took them all out <laughs> Dude, the, the rope walk spot where he did a moonsault off yeah, of it? Yeah, that was the second time. I think he did it in the G1. Like, um, what the fuck? Yeah, dude. Lance Archer, man. Just let him on. <laughs> just stepping his game up. Dude, that rope walk spot for a guy his size is just insane. And, and, and not only that, like, he hit him with the blackout, could have beat him, picked him up, gave him another hope spot, and then still beat him. Like, they really, like, Dave Finley, I thought, was going to come into this match and be more. I didn't expect him to win, but I expected because he was returning from. Um, you know, from injury plus they've had some open spots here in the in the roster with guys being looked to be elevated this past year. I kind of thought this was a chance for them to kind of make Dave Finley look great, but he it's not that he didn't look good because he's not good. He didn't look good because the layout of the match made him look like a jobber. Right. Like a no hoper. He and I he's looked like that in the past, so it's more of the same. But I didn't think we we're getting more of the same because he's back from injury and right. he's immediately and they, made, they made a big deal of him yeah. saving juice and but and ultimately like and then you know uh, post match we got a run in from Juice to kind of protect and save Dave Finley and Lance Archer uh, got on the mic and uh, held the belt towards him and said like you're not worth it yeah um, and this I didn't really care for the finish of this match I didn't I don't I don't this is the second time he's done this thing with the. Uh, EBD claw. EBD claw, and I don't like it. Yeah, so uh, Finley went for a sliced bread. He countered it into the EBD claw, kind of, you know, slammed his head on the mat, and then just pinned him. Really anticlimactic and just kind of a flat finish for what was relatively a pretty good match. It was a fine match. That that thing, This he did the same thing to Juice, right? I think so. I think it was Juice, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I was fine with him using the EBD claw as a, pin, a pinning maneuver towards the after he hit the blackout. I was fine with that. But this thing where he's, like, banging their head with it, I would be fine with it if it looked good. It because, because in theory, that's kind of a really vicious thing if you think about it. But, like, it doesn't look good because the way the guys are taking it. And also, I don't think there's a safe way that he can actually bang their head. They probably shouldn't be banging the back of their head against the mat. Right. So it's probably not a good idea in general. So, like, I would just say don't do that anymore. Yeah, I say you hit the blackout or choke slam, and then you put it on for the pin. I agree. Um, also, there was a shot um, at John Moxley in this match. Um, at one point, he looked at the camera. He's like, are you watching John? Something like that. He said he kind of mentioned John Moxley's name. I didn't catch that. And um, on Twitter, too, he kind of said something out to Moxley after he won the belt. So maybe we get Moxley and Archer at the Dome. Possibly. 
So then we move on to the semi-main of the night. We had Shingo and Tetsuya Naito taking on the Bullet Club team of the Crown Jewel Chase Owens and Switchblade Jay White. So I'll say a little preview match here for the Tokyo Dome for Naito and Jay White. And once again, another LIJ tag. It was good stuff. All four guys looked uh, really well here. I mean, there wasn't, you know, nothing out of this world really happened in the match. Uh, but the LIJ team ends up getting the win with uh, Naito hitting a Destino on uh, Chase Owens. Yeah, the, the match was fine. Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't really have anything major to say about it, and that's kind of unfortunate. Um you know, because you kind of hope that these preview matches really elicit, like, a spark or an anticipation out of you. And yeah. this this didn't really do that for me. Yeah, there wasn't, yeah, there wasn't really much. That, yeah, the interaction between Naito and Jay White, like, it was kind of, there wasn't that many of it, that much of it. And when it did happen, like, it wasn't, like, out of this world. Like, so I don't know. And then also there was, like, no promos or anything. So there wasn't really that much build going into the match for Tokyo Dome. No. Um, yeah, and, you know, Naito ends up just, you know, pinning Owens, and we move on. So the uh, the main event of the evening here was Will Ospreay and Kazushika Okada taking on the team of Amazing Red and Kota Ibushi, and uh, this was a, a very good main event, a great way to um, close the show off with these four superstars, four high-caliber wrestlers, um, and, you know, a lot of great back-and-forth spots. You know, just the opening 60 seconds with um, Osprey and Amazing Red was awesome, and there that sequence is there. And, um, I kind of would have rather have seen uh, Amazing Red on the opposite end of Ibushi. Mm, yeah, because both of those guys are lightning quick, so that would have been great. Just because we've never seen them face off before, and it was cool to see them team. For sure. And, you know, uh, Amazing Red's uh, connection to the California crowd with San Jose, I think that was a cool idea to have him in this main event uh, mm-hmm. opposite Osprey and, you know, Okada, which was cool. Um, this match was really good. It was a good main event, and the crowd was really, really into it. Yeah, Amazing Red finally was able to hit the uh, the Code Red. I think he hit it on Okada for a near fall. Um, yeah, a lot of great back-and-forth action here. And... Uh, the finish was great with uh, Red going for like a springboard moonsault and Okada catching him and just drilling him with the tombstone. Hits the elbow drop. Rainmaker pose. Rainmaker, one, two, three. Okada and Osprey get the win. Um, then we get our you know post-match um, interview from Okada talking about how the IWGP title is the only thing that's important to him. That's the only title he really cares about. And so... That was New Japan Showdown in San Jose. Yep. So I thought it was a really good show. Yeah. Um, the, the crowd was really into it. Uh, I thought it was a success as far as, you know, one of these first shows in the post-New Japan in America. Yeah, the New Japan of America. <laughs> the New Japan Pro Wrestling of America yeah. uh, era. I thought I thought it was a good little show, and I mean, like, I know if I had been in attendance, this seemed like a show that I would have enjoyed being at. Yeah, uh, one miss though, I will say from this sh- 
show is booking Liger with Aaron Solo against Yano and Cabana. Oh, obviously, yeah. <laughs> Besides that, um, the miss is just the day that it happened. Mm. You know, this is supposed to be, you know, New Japan of America. You want the buzz. You want people talking about this. It happened the same day as Full Gear. So I know a lot of people watch were watching Full Gear and either watch the show after or the next day. So I watched the show the next day. I same watched Full same Gear. here. I watched Full Gear also. So there was a the buzz for the show. If it had any, was overshadowed greatly by a huge AEW pay per view. And so going forward, you know these New Japan of America shows they need to do a better job of kind of looking at the calendar and seeing and making sure they're not running against a AEW or WWE show. I mean that's one thing amongst a myriad of other things. Uh, but keep in mind, this is the same company that was planning to run a show in Atlanta on the same day as the Super Bowl. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. <laughs> oh man, just throwing it out there. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's take a look at these World Tag League teams. So this year we got sixteen teams, single block tournament. So again. So no double block, no single elimination. We got Dude, the single block last year was even though the tournament, the tournament in all fairness was good. Mm-hmm. God, was that that was easier to get through match quality wise, but harder to get through because there were so many more matches because of the single block tournament. Right, sixteen freaking teams, bro, in a single block, and there we're not getting you know a quote unquote holy, finals. Holy the, crap! <laughs> The last night, whichever team has the most points is going to end up winning the whole thing. So it's not like Super Junior Tag League where it was single block and then the two top teams faced off again. Just whoever the top team is is going to get the win. Go on to Wrestle Kingdom to challenge um, the Gorillas of Destiny. Well, if they win, I guess they'll choose their challengers. But if a non-champion team wins, they'll face Gorillas of Destiny at one of the nights of Wrestle Kingdom. You know, man, I, I really wish... If you're going to do 16 teams, just do a single elimination tournament. The only thing is they have a lot of tour dates to cover, and how are they yeah. going to cover all those tour date nights? Right. That's that's why they do this. Right. It, it's fine. Like, yeah. I get it. Like, you know, we just have to keep in mind, like, New Japan Pro Wrestling is not a weekly television product. They are a touring-based company, and they need something to draw, and it's the World Tag League because it's December, and... In November, that's what we do. All right. Uh, but I, I don't like the single block format. I really don't. I Especially not for a tournament with this many teams. I, if there's going to be this many teams, my thing is just do two blocks. Right. Why can't we have a, a, a single block of eight teams? That's fine. Like, that. that's fine. Right. Just do that. All right, but let's start looking at these teams. So first up, let's look at Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toa Hanare. So this is a new World Tag League combination. This is Tanahashi's first World Tag League since 2016, where he teamed with Juice Robinson. Um, So Toa Hanare is his fourth consecutive tag league. You know, he's been teaming up with, uh, he teamed up with Nakanishi one year, and then in the past he also teamed up with uh, Togi Makabe. Yeah, and it's no surprise that this is um, the first time in the last few years that Tanahashi's been in the tournament because previously, prior to our show existing, the top 
uh, contenders, the IWGP champion, anyone who was a top uh, wrestler in the company used to partake in the World Tag League. But because of booking logic, you know, if you already know that, you know, the champion and the G1 challenger and different things like that are going to be locked up for Wrestle Kingdom time, you already know that their team's not going to win. So that's why they stopped putting the main uh, big names in the tournament. But this year it's a little different. Uh, There's two nights in the Tokyo Dome, and we already know that uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, aside from the match with... uh, Jericho, he's not locked up for anything big, and he has kind of gone down a little bit when it comes to his stature in the uh, standings of the company. So it makes a lot of sense that he's back in the World Tag League. Right, and with two nights, he obviously so January 5th, he's facing Jericho. If he, if he wins this January 4th, he could face G.O.D. That's correct. Um, now, with Tanahashi being on the team, that would give you an indication that this team is going to win a lot. But then when you put Toa Hanari on the team, You've got a designated pin eater and someone who has lost a lot this year. So don't be surprised if Toa Hanare is eating a ton of pinfalls this coming year um, or this coming uh, tournament. I I think Tanahashi and Toa Hanare, it's a good opportunity for Hanare to team with Tanahashi and get some of that rub. But ultimately speaking, this is a team that's they have no chance. Yeah. So the next team, Great Bash Heel of Togi Makabe and Tomioka Hanma. This is their fifth entry into the World Tag League, the first time in three years. They won the 2015 and 2016 World Tag League. They're former two-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. Yeah, and you know what? That was like a crowning moment for uh, Hanma when it came to the the height of his run in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, you know, the, the GBH team has had a lot of success in this tournament in the past. But keep in mind that that was a different time. That was when Hanma was, uh, you know, in much better health. Last year he wanted to be in this tournament, and he ended up not even being able to be cleared to be a partaker in the tournament, which was weird because they kept him on the undercard. Right, he teamed with, was it? He did multi-man matches right. with, I like, Young who, Lions. Yeah, he teamed with a, bu- a bunch of Young Lions on the undercard, yeah. Um, so the fact that they're going to... Uh, clear him and allow him to work this tournament is kind of precarious but in either case because of Hanma's current health situation this is not the team it's not the same team that won those back-to-back tournaments and won the uh IWGP tag team title so um you know it's going to be nice to kind of see that nostalgia run there but I mean you're talking about a broken down Hanma and and a Makabe who takes two bumps per night um they will probably most likely be one of the worst tag teams in the entire tournament. Yeah. And they will probably pick up wins for sure, but they'll be one of those middle of the uh, team, like middle of the uh, point leaders, like sort of teams. And um, I'm not really looking forward to Makabe and Hanman. They, they have no shot of winning this. Yeah, none at all. Clearly Hanma is probably going to be the pin eater. Makabe is going to take as least bumps as possible and will probably produce some of the worst matches of the tournament. They they literally will, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. which is which is crazy because if you go back to that match that they had with G.O.D. in the finals a couple years ago, it's one of the best matches in the history of the tournament. So very interesting stuff. So next up, Tenkozy, Satoshi Kojima and Hiroshi Tenzon. This is their eighth entry, eighth consecutive. They were the 2001 and 2008 G1 Tag League winners, and they're six-time IWGP Tag Team Champions. Fun fact, uh, Tenkoji is the only team ever to win 
both the World Tag League in New Japan as well as the, uh, I think it's called World Strongest Tag League in all Japan in the same year. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did not know that. Yeah. But, um, you know, Tenkoji, if um, New Japan's never had a very strong uh, tag team division or a very pronounced uh, tag team history, I would say if you're talking from a historical perspective, um, Tenzan and Kojima might be the most prolific and historically successful tag team in New Japan's history. Other than maybe Choten, which is also uh, Chono and Tenzan. So Tenzan is by far one of the greatest tag team performers ever in the history of New mm. Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, but, you know, they're here again. Uh, this is a team that year after year, they tend to have decent to good matches. They're both obviously long in the tooth. Uh, it's almost still they're, they're New Japan dad, so it's a nostalgia run. Don't anticipate them having any real bangers, but on any given night, they might have a really good solid outing. You know, mm-hmm. last year Tenzon and Kojima looked good, and Tenzon was doing some pretty cool stuff, <laughs> like uh, topes and stuff like that uh, through the tournament, and they picked up uh, quite a few wins. They're not going to win. But they're not going to be the worst. They're not going to be the best. They're going to be middle of the road, and they'll one, be entertaining. One thing we know, Kojima will never give up. Even when it's mathematically impossible, <laughs> he will keep fighting. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so next up, we have the team of Manobu Nakanishi and Yuji Nagata. This is their fifth entry, third consecutive, and they are one-time former IWGP Tag Team Champions. What's their name? Is it Monster Morning is the name of their team? Well, isn't Monster Morning like Nakanishi's like breakfast thing that he does? I think it's just his um, or I think it's just his nickname. I yeah, forget. Yeah. I, I I'm always like, what's the name of this team? Is it Blue Justice? Well, it's not Blue Justice. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they I don't think they have a team name. No, they do. They do. Um, but you know, Nakanishi and Nagata, you can take a lot of the things I said about Kojima and Tenzan and apply it to them. But then at the same time, I would expect a little less from them, like. They're also New Japan dads. They're also not going to be the worst team in the tournament, although they're not going to be far from it, to be right. honest. Um, Nagata is definitely the guy who's much more well-conditioned and able to go at this point in time. Nakanishi might be the most broken-down uh, competitor in the entire tournament. He, he Yeah, he he's, doesn't move very well at all. And that's saying something when Hanma's also in this tournament. Right. Uh, but, but Nakanishi will still try and hit planches, though. He was hitting planches last year. <laughs> yeah. It was crazy. Um so, yeah, I mean, Nagata and Nakanishi, they will definitely, they're not going to perform to the same level as Tenzan and Kojima by at all. But um, they might have a, a few good matches here and there. They'll probably pick up some wins. But, um, you know, they're they're just, they're going to be there. They're there every year. That's what they do. So next up. They're we, not going to win. Yeah. Next up we have Finn Juice, David Finley, and Juice Robinson. Their second entry, second consecutive. You know, um, this is my pick to win the tournament. Um, although I've got some real concerns because Finley just basically did an extended squash match and Juice came out um, looking a little more rotund than we've ever seen him in the past and his hair is like starting to grow out long again and I'm not really sure what his look is. So I'm a little concerned about the future of this team, but this might be their chance to turn things around. They had a fantastic tournament last year and... Um, I think that Finn Juice, like, they're two guys who the company sees a lot in. And I'm kind of wondering, like, well, some of these other more popular teams, I can kind of see what, what 
uh, Wrestle Kingdom holds for them, but for Finjuice, I don't. And so I kind of think that this is a team that they can really get behind and as far as an adversary for G.O.D. and kind of give them something to do during uh, Wrestle Kingdom. And, um, yeah, I think, I think Finjuice is going to be one of the best tag teams in the tournament, and I think they're going to win the whole tournament. They're, yeah. they're my odds-on favorite. Last year, they got uh, 16 points. They uh, tied for fifth in the league. So they're definitely one of the top teams last year, like you said. And, yeah, they're going to be one of the teams that produce some of the better matches of this tournament. Yeah, and the field is not as deep as it was last year. There was there was more viable teams that could win it last year than there are now. Many of those other teams that we kind of saw, um, you know, have have gone on and left the company. So it's it's a much more shallow playing field this year. And so I think Finley and Juice really, I mean, I'm calling it right now. I think they're winning this. Yeah, I think yeah, that's probably makes the most sense. So next up, we have another new World Tag League combination with the team of Hiroki Goto and Carl Fredericks. Yep, and this is a team that's born out of the um, L.A. Dojo connection with Goto going to get the Eye of the Tiger back earlier this year in preparation for his match at the G1 against uh, Jay White. Uh, he went down to the L.A. Dojo, teamed with his uh, childhood best friend, uh, Katsuyori Shibata, and Carl Fredericks is obviously the star pupil and star young lion out of the LA Dojo. So this is, again, like we've talked about in the past, whenever you have a young lion in a, in a tournament, and we, we just had a young uh, couple young lions in the... Junior uh, Tag League. Yeah, the Super Junior Tag League. So this is kind of Carl Fredericks's um, entrance into the main roster, like, tournament division sort of thing. So he'll be, he'll be teaming with Goto. This is a team, they're not picking up any wins. Period. Like, Carl Fredericks is going, uh, unless, like, on one of the last nights they end up beating some low-level team. like And Goto gets the win. Yeah, that's possible, but I really doubt it. Uh, it's going to be a learning experience for Carl Fredericks. Um, I'm actually excited about this team. I think Goto and Carl Fredericks is really interesting, and I think that they'll have really good matches, but I think they're going to pick up no points. Yeah, they're going to be you know towards the bottom of the block due to having the young line on the team. Carl Fredericks will be eating a lot of pins and submissions in this tournament, but it'll be a great experience for him. I think they'll probably gel together pretty well. They're both pretty intense, kind of hard-hitting guys, and it'll be a great experience for Fredericks. But when you compare this team to like, say one of the other teams that had a young line a f couple years ago, like say um, it was Makabe and uh, Toa Hanare. Yeah. This is a much more promising tag team, much more promising. Like you're going to get to see Carl Fredericks in the same ring as guys like Toa Hanare, like Ishii, like Chase Owens, like Shingo Takagi, like Evil and Sonata. So there's a lot of very interesting potential there for Carl Fredericks. And also, if you keep in mind, and I think that this is something to keep your 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 uh, eyes open for, Toa Hanari graduated very shortly after he was in this tournament the last time. He went right up to the main roster, and it was sort of like his test before they brought him up. I wouldn't be surprised if that's what they're doing with Carl Fredericks. Right. Clearly, they see a lot in Fredericks. He won the Young Lions Cup. He's been, you know, highlighted and profiled in a lot of uh, multi-man matches um, since then. And they see something in this guy. And he's great. He's been having a lot of great matches in the Young Lion division. And 
I could easily see them wanting to get him up on the main roster without an excursion. Yeah, I think this is one of the most interesting uh, story aspects and one of your things to keep your eyes on when it comes to the World Tag League this year. So, um, and I haven't heard anyone else really talk about it, but keep keep in mind, Fredericks is a star in the making, and this is a very, very pivotal and important thing that they're doing here. There's 16 teams, so you've got 32 competitors, so that's essentially 30 other guys that he's getting an opportunity to work in the ring with that he's never worked with ever before. This is very important. This is a big deal. Yeah, This is actually, like to me, a bigger deal than the rest of the, the uh, World Tag League. Yeah, and, is, and I don't think a lot of people are thinking of it that way. Yeah, it's going to be a huge time for Fredericks. I think he's going to be probably one of the guys that shines the most out of this whole tournament. I agree. So moving on, we have a, another new World Tag League combination, a chaos team, Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. Um, well, they've never teamed in the Tag League together. No, so they've teamed together before. Lots of uh, times. We saw them uh, challenge G.O.D. at Destruction in Beppu this year. Um, but as, as a tag league team, they've never been in the tournament. Oh, man, that's so crazy. I felt like they did in the past. Like, I would almost, like, I feel so confident about it. I'm like, I would put money on it, to be mm-hmm. honest with you. But maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I know Yoshihashi. I think Yoshihashi teamed with Okada most of the time also. So maybe. Yeah, and Ishii was probably with Yano. I think he also teamed with, ah, man. I don't know if him and Goto teamed before. I feel like there was a year where they might have. But um, no, 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 they probably didn't. But in, in any case, uh, Ishii and Yoshihashi, this should be a good team. Um, that's a team that actually has a very feasible, feasibly good chance of either winning or being very near the top when it's all said and done. Right, and especially since uh, with the whole Bullet Club rivalry and Kenta turning on Ishii and Yoshihashi in that multi-man and then the rivalry they had with G.O.D. briefly over the summer, um, you could definitely see them potentially want to run it back and doing Ishii and Yoshihashi against G.O.D. again. Well, it's sort of like what they do with Daniel Bryan, you know? He's over in WWE. They want to make sure that that man's nowhere near the title picture. They 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 make decisions to keep him away from the Royal Rumble. <laughs> this is sort of the this sort of the uh, the New Japan version of that. They want to make sure they cool down that man Ishii. And yeah. if you notice, he he doesn't have anything going on for uh, Wrestle Kingdom just yet. And people are going to be like, "Well, what's he doing? He's in the World Tag League. He needs to focus on that for now." Him and Yoshihashi, they've got this goal in front of them, the IWGP Tag Team titles. Don't worry about the Never title. <laughs> Don't worry about the Rev Pro British Heavyweight <laughs> Championship. Don't worry about none of these singles matches. Tag League, that's where his that's where he's at right now. Yeah. Um, although it is interesting, Ishii is one of the bigger names that's in this tournament who doesn't have anything lined up for Wrestle Kingdom, so... Uh, what's probably a likelihood is they probably will build some sort of feud with him and somebody. I don't know who, but somebody in this tournament and him will probably end up in a feud, whether that gets played out at Wrestle Kingdom or even afterwards at like a New Year's Dash or New Beginning or something of that nature. Um, it remains to be seen, but uh, you know it is precarious. We don't know what Ishii is doing, and that's one reason I think it's a possibility that him and Yoshihashi either win the tournament or have a good enough showing to where they have some sort of claim to be in a multi-man tag match. Yeah. 
Because I think that the IWGB title, tag team titles, will be a multi-team match since we're getting a singles tag match for the junior titles. Right, because traditionally, the junior title, most of the time, we had those four ways with, you know, Bucks mm-hmm. and Rapungi Vice and best, fr- or not best friends, um, uh, what's another team? Time uh, splitters. Time splitters. Red Dragon. Red Dragon. Yeah, we've always had those four way multi mans, and then and they've done they've done some multi man tag team matches in the past with the the uh, the heavyweight tags as well. During you know, even though there's two nights, there's still only so many slots, and they need to get as many people on as possible. And I mean, uh, there's some really big names in this tournament who don't have a date set yet. I would not be surprised. If Ishii and Yoshihashi end up in some sort of multi-team scenario at Wrestle Kingdom. Yeah, you could do Ishii, Yoshihashi, Finjuice, and G.O.D. Either in a three-way or you can throw another team in there also. Evil and Sonata. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, well, I think um, they're they're going to be doing single stuff. I think Sonata's going to be challenging Zack. Possibly. But keep in mind that there are several big Rep Pro shows over in the U.K. between now and then. And we do know that Sonata is on those shows. Whether he's challenging for the belt in Europe uh, or in the UK, we don't know yet. And you're right. He, he might be challenging Zack Sabre at Wrestle Kingdom. But they might just be building up those feuds for RevPro. Yeah, I know. But because the, they've, been, they've been featuring the RevPro title on Wrestle Kingdom lately. and Well, just uh, once last well, year. Last year. But, but this whole year, though, I feel like that both RevPro, the, the heavyweight and cruiserweight titles, have been kind of... Featured more on New Japan shows this year. I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying. I feel I'm just like, throwing out scenarios. Yeah. I don't know. With the, the whole singles this push. Is, this is safe space. <laughs> the whole singles push that Sonata <laughs> had this year. I just feel like they want. They want to like showcase them. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. And and that's definitely a possibility. And it's probably, I would say, more likely. But I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be surprised. If they go back to Old Faithful. <laughs> if, if he ends up in a title match in the UK and that's what they're building for and then because what's evil going to do at Wrestle Kingdom that's my question yeah, I heard catering's pretty good <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah I don't know so the next team the next team another new world tag league combination and it's so weird all these new combinations it's almost as if they didn't have any tag teams <laughs> ready to go this year <laughs> We have the team of Toro Yano and Boom Boom Colt Cabana, the NWA national champion. Wow. This is truly an international affair. Um, so this is a team that actually did team earlier this year. Um, you know, you've got your comedy, like, dream team in Toro Yano and Colt Cabana. And believe it or not, this team's going to win a lot. They're going to win a lot They're of They're going to pull a lot of upset wins. We've seen Yano, the low blow schoolboy, Cabana with the Superman pun, or Superman um, pin. Um, these guys are going to get a lot of surprise wins. The funny thing is, like, I don't, from what I've seen from Yano and Colt Cabana, um, I haven't enjoyed it at all. Like, not even a little bit. And I think here's why. I enjoy Yano with Ishii because it's like so many famous uh, comedy duos. You have your zany guy, and then you have your straight man that he can play off of. When you got two zany dudes, it's like Dumb and Dumber. I hate Dumb and Dumber. It's a stupid movie. It sucks. Anyone who thinks it, uh, uh, <laughs> no, I know so many people love that movie, but like you, can you just know, get some heat, pal. Yeah, I'm trying to get some heat on the show. <laughs> 
but no, but in all seriousness, like uh, Yano and Colt Cabana, I know people enjoy it, but it's like almost too much comedy. Right, it's for me. like Yano by himself, fine. fine. Cabana by himself, fine. Fine, but both of them together it might be a little too much. And I enjoyed Yano and Ishii because you had Yano doing the crazy stuff and then Ishii with the hard-hitting stuff. And I, I like that tag team a lot better than this, but it's fine. Yano and Colt Cabana, they're going to go out there. They're going to have probably not even really good matches, like like really low-end matches. They're going to take it easy. They're just going to do... They're going to do stuff that you find funny the first one to two nights, and then by the end of it, you're going to be sick of watching them wrestle. But mm. thankfully, they're all going to be short matches. They're going to spoil a lot of people. They're going to lose a lot, too, and it's it's going to be entertaining. So it, it'll be fine. It's whatever. Yep. And then, once again, another new World Tag League combination of former Ring of Honor World Champion Jeff, or excuse me, World TV Champion Jeff Cobb and former NXT superstar Mikey Nichols. Well, this is a very interesting pairing. Um, Jeff Cobb, we haven't seen him since the G1. And even though he did well in the point standings, that was a G1 that I didn't feel like endeared him to the New Japan audience or to the fan base. Which was kind of surprising because starting with the last two World Tag Leagues where he was teaming with uh, Michael Elgin, both of those tournaments like did nothing but elevate his stock in the company and then you know his different uh, mini tours that he's done in, in New Japan have been great, but... I thought the G1 like really exposed a lot of deficiencies in his game and he hasn't been back since then, which has been kind of surprising. And I mean, I think you'd probably know better than me, but since he lost that title shot to, uh, Michael Taven, uh, that's the name, right? Matt, Matt Taven. <laughs> I was going to call him Michael Craven. That's why I started <laughs> saying, uh, to Matt Taven, it seems like his stocks kind of plummeted a bit, even in ROH. Is that the case? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I really haven't kept up with ROH a whole ton, uh, last few months, but I really haven't heard anything out of this world from him in the promotion. I don't even know. Like, I don't think he's getting any towel shots anytime soon. And I, I really thought that this year going into the the World Tag League would be a great chance for him to kind of pick up steam and reestablish himself in New Japan after what I thought was a somewhat lackluster G1. And instead, he's getting teamed up with Mikey Nichols, who was a guy that literally today, when we were talking, we're like, is he even still with New Japan? We're like, is he even in this Tag League? We forgot he was even in it. Right. Um, now, we do have a designated pin eater there, so that's interesting. Last year, when Cobb and Elgin were teaming together, it was kind of like, well, who's going to... that? Like, that was an awesome team. Oh, yeah. Um, this is a team that I don't... I don't know. It depends on what they want to do. If they're like, you know what, we really want to build up Mikey and we want to uh, do right by Jeff, they might give him some wins, but... This is not a team that I think is going to go far or have great matches or do extremely well in the tournament. Right, yeah. I don't have high expectations whatsoever for either of these guys. I mean, I like Jeff Cobb a I lot. I like Jeff Cobb a lot. Um, so, I mean, he's probably going to be the shining light of this team. Uh, but And I'm excited to see Jeff Cobb go head-to-head with a lot of these guys in the tournament. So that's the one yeah, nice thing. It's some fresh guys for him to work with, some guys he hasn't worked with yet. Uh, Keep in mind, though. And this is something we've said in the past. Mikey Nichols is a tag team specialist. And we haven't really seen... We have seen him in some multi-man uh, scenarios and a couple tags. Tags with Juice early in the year. But this might be a chance for him in a tag league scenario to really... 
find his ground, his footing in New Japan, and maybe this could be a good thing for both guys. Yeah. So next up, we have Evil and Sonata, fourth entry, fourth consecutive. They are the 2017 and 2018 World Tag League winners. They're two-time former IWGP Tag Team Champions. Yeah, so um, I didn't think Evil and Sonata were winning last year. I did predict them to win the first year, and I was correct. Uh, I don't see them pulling a Rapungi 3K and going back-to-back-to-back pulling a hat trick. Um, But Evil and Sonata are the standard bearers for for tag team wrestling uh, on the heavyweight level outside of G.O.D., um, it almost feels like Evil and Sonata and G.O.D. are like the only real two tag teams. Right, that con- that team consistently. That are even in this tournament to, at all. So for that very reason, you have to imagine that Evil and Sonata are going to do very well and be in the runnings to potentially win the whole thing. Right, so. I mean, they're definitely going to be one of the favorites um, going into the thing. They're going to go into the, the last night with a lot of points, and they're probably... I'll have to look at the schedule, see who they're facing on the last night, but they, they'll probably get upset or so, there'll be like some kind of tie situation or something like that. But um, yeah, I expect Evil and Tanada to be, you know, they're always great in these tag leagues. They are one, always one of the better teams and produce some really good matches. They'll, they'll probably be in a lot of the main events since they are LIJ guys and they're both really over. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they end up Winning this thing, or are we are going to see them in singles roles at the dome? Yeah, and that's the real question. We don't know. I mean, obviously, Sonata was elevated to a new level this past year, given his long-standing feud with uh, Kazushika Okada, feuding over the IWGP title. It does feel like he has stepped to a new level, and so you kind of are like wondering, like Evil and Sonata in a tag match at the dome again. That seems yeah. a little overkill, but at the same time, it's like. It's hard to plot out. Both of these guys are extremely over, and they're both big stars. So it's hard to kind of plot out what we see them doing come Wrestle Kingdom time. That's one reason why I think some people do have them pegged to potentially win or you know, be in the running for the IWGP tag titles come Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, I don't know. But I don't think they're going back to back to back. Yeah, They will, however, have some of the best matches in the tournament. Yeah, they're going to be one of the teams that you you keep your eyes on when you're watching this thing. So next up, uh, another new World Tag League combination. The Dragon, Shingo Takagi, teaming up with Terrible from CMLL, a member of uh, Los Ingobernables in Mexico. So that's quite an interesting team right there. It's a really weird team. Um, It makes sense why. Because, you know, obviously El Terrible is one of the members of Los Ingernables down in uh, Mexico with CMLL. And we the last time we saw him in New Japan was for the uh, Fantastic, Fantastic Mania, Mania tour. Yeah. But um, him and Shingo have never really teamed together before. And we're talking guys with two completely different working styles. So I'm really wondering what that team is gonna yeah, be like. Yeah, it's gonna be really weird. But I mean, obviously, we we got Shingo. He's he goes. He's gonna go out there and kill it every night and have his portion of the matches will be great. It's, yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how him and Terrible kind of work together. Yeah, I I don't know what to expect. I mean, I've never been one to be overly impressed with El Terrible. Obviously, I think he's there to be the pin, the pin eater. Yeah. Um, Shingo Takagi is going to... Um, this is going to be one of his first 
Um, well, since the G1, it's going to be like, uh, well, it will be his first World Tag League. And, um, you know, we've seen him in really dominate other tag team tournaments in the past, like the Super Junior Tag League last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how he fares in this tournament. But I think Saddle with Terrible is an automatic, like, eliminator. Like, he's not winning, so. Yeah. So next up, we have the team of Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer. This team won the 2011 G1 Tag League. Yes, and um, Suzuki and Archer is an awesome team. And it's interesting because Archer is the current U.S. champion, and Suzuki is the leader of Suzuki Goon and also one of the major, like, he's not big four, but he's definitely, like, big five, like, big six, big seven, something like that. Uh, He's the top guy in the company. So who loses there? Right. It's a tough situation. Both those guys are probably not, you would think, wouldn't eat many pins. So they could potentially be a sleeper team to... Like a dark horse? Yeah, rack up a lot of points. This is the team that I'm most excited to watch. Yeah. I mean, Archer has been on another level this year, uh, really breaking out and having some great matches. And Suzuki's always great. So both of these guys, they're, they're going to be violent. Um, a, a lot of young Lions are going to get hurt <laughs> in this tournament. Um, but, yeah, these guys should pro- will probably end up putting up some really good matches. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm really, really, really excited for that. So next up, another Suzuki Gun team, the team of Zack Sabre Jr. and Tai Chi, the Dangerous Techers. This is going to be their second time, um, their second time into the World Tag League. Favorite tag team of the tournament in 2018. And I expect nothing but the same thing from them in 2019. Um, I don't think Saber and Saber and Tai Chi are winning because we kind of know what the destination is for them most likely going forward after the tag league. With that being said, they consistently had the best matches of the tournament. They were a great combination because at that point in the tournament, like Tai Chi was starting to implement more of a stronger style. And then, so he was hard hitting and you had Saber who was a submission guy wrapping guys up and they gelled incredibly well together. Tai Chi's had a fantastic year and it's, it's so, it it does kind of suck that so many like casual fans have still, um, they're still like really typecasting him and putting him in this box and being like, you know, I don't want to watch Tai Chi matches because the buffoonery and the shenanigans. And I'm like, you seen this dude? Lately, like, this guy's out there having, like, right, and fucking that, bangers. And then the match, like, the power struggle match where there was no shenanigans yeah. whatsoever. And, you know, last year it did start with, like, the Naito feud, and then he had those matches with, like, Goto and with uh, Elgin over the Never title in that division. But what really was the turning point was, to for him, what really turned everything over was the match with Osprey and then the World Tag League that... uh his team with Zack Sabre Jr. After that, it was like Tai Chi really turned a corner and kind of became an entirely different performer. And um, him and Zack were hilarious last year. Oh, yeah. Their promos promos were awesome. (laughs) The post-match antics were were great. Um, The match that they had with Suzuki and um, God, uh, what was Suzuki's tag team partner last year? Isaka. Yeah. The match, how, how that, forget. <laughs> the match they had with Suzuki and Iska, in my opinion, was the match of the tournament last year. And so I'm very excited to see Dangerous Techers against Archer and Suzuki because 
uh, Saber and Archer was awesome during the G1. G1. <laughs> and, you know, th- there's been a lot of rumors about, or not rumors, but speculation about the future of Suzuki Goon. And these are the top four guys in that group, and they're all in the same tournament, and it feels like very combustible. Last year, um, we were on a show. I won't say any names, but we were on a show last year where one of the hosts was very adamant that Suzuki Goon was breaking up. And we were like, no. I think so. <laughs> I don't think that's happening. And, th- and I think it was wishful thinking on their part because they wanted Saber Goon. Right. This year, not that it's been teased, but because of the rumors about Suzuki and because of the place, like how high everyone is, I think it's way more feasible that that could actually be a realistic thing. And in either case, these are four talents that I want to see fight each other. So I'm excited for Dangerous Techers and uh, Suzuki and Archer. Yeah, that that matchup, I'll have to see what night it's on. But that should be a very fun matchup. And probably could be one of the best matches of the tournament this year. Because all four guys have had a great year and are great wrestlers. So that's definitely one to look out. And I think um, Dangerous Techers will be a team to watch. Last year, they racked up 16 points and then were tied for fifth place with uh, Finjuice. So they were definitely one of the top producing teams last year, yeah. points-wise and, and match-quality-wise. They had the best matches in the they were Yeah, they were the best, one of the best teams. There, so. there was one month where like we ended up uh, making, I believe, Zack Sabre the wrestler of the month. But we almost made Dangerous Techers <laughs> right. the, the wrestler of the month. And we didn't go that way, but we were very close to it. So, yeah. So, next up, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga Tangaloa. This is going to be their fourth entry, fourth consecutive. They are the current IWGP Tag Champs, five-time champs. Obviously, uh, G.O.D., kind of the, you know, the foundation, one of the foundations of the heavyweight tag division over the last few years. I think it's very likely that G.O.D. winds up in the same exact sort of scenario that the other uh, junior Bullet Club team ended up at the end of the junior tag league. They're not going to win it, but I bet you they end up tied in points most likely so that they lose a title, uh, a tie eliminator, but they look strong towards the end. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they even hypothetically beat the team that ends up winning the tournament. What do you mean? I wouldn't be surprised if... Oh, so they beat... So whoever wins ties, but... I'm not talking about the tie anymore. I'm just talking about, like, I wouldn't be surprised if at the end of it all, Mm -hmm. whoever ends up winning the entire tournament, they hold a victory over. Gotcha. Because there are ways you could do a tie eliminator without it having to go that way. Like, without it having to be that uh, G.O.D. lost to them, necessarily. Yeah. Um, maybe hypothetically G.O.D. is like a point or two behind the point leaders. Gotcha, okay. And maybe they beat, but maybe they did end up during the course of the tournament beating the winners, like say Finjuice. Yeah. So now like Finjuice wins, but they, and I'm just using them as a team because I think they're favored in my opinion, but you could do this with anybody, you know what I mean? Right. And uh, with uh, G.O.D., they've been in the finals every year since their World Tag League debuts, but they've never been able to, you know, win the big one and actually win the league. They could win the whole thing. And, I mean, things are so kind of, I don't want to say unimportant, but sort of unimportant when it comes to World Tag, or to the heavyweight tag team picture that, like, G.O.D. could literally win. 
And then afterwards, you could still find a way to like establish challengers after the fact with an angle or maybe, maybe a team walks out and just inserts themselves into a title match. Maybe the young bucks just show up again and just say, <laughs> we're the best team <laughs> like they did last year. Yeah. Who knows? Um, um, but you know, God, man, they have had a, a really great year. Oh, uh, God is my tag team of the year for 2019. Yeah. But, like and they are, they're the best tag team in no, New I Japan know a lot of year. people ha- have, you know, kind of looked down on God and they, they haven't had the best matches in the past, but this year, I think they've really stepped their game up. They've had uh, very good matches this year. Yeah, you know, they beat Evil's not to get the IWGP tag titles. They won the Ring of Honor titles at Madison Square Garden. They were double champs. They had that great feud with the Briscoes in Ring of Honor, which had a lot of great back-and-forth promos, a lot of great matches. They had a street fight, the, the ladder war at the Summer Supercard. Um, they had the, the Aussie Open match. They've been doing a lot of uh, indie stuff, both like Defy and stuff like that. Uh, these guys have been on fire this year. Yeah. Um, I don't think they're winning just because it will be harder to book a challenger off of that. And it's there's not a lot of time before the Tokyo Dome, literally like a few weeks. So I don't think they're winning. You could. There's ways you could do it, I guess. Right. Like a similar scenario, you could have a team beat them, but they still end up with the most points. That, that team that beat them was like, hey, we beat you guys, so we should still get a towel shot. And there's so many teams here, you could have a couple teams beat them. Right, to get your multi-man kind of set up. Exactly. Um, So, I mean, G.O.D. will be towards the top. No matter what happens, though, they'll be towards the top. Uh, I will say this, though. In tournaments, even though G.O.D. is really good and they have really good matches, they I don't find them to be compelling during these tournaments because they tend to phone it in a lot of the time. They really only turn it up for certain matches in certain situations, um, they're very like uh, particular about what kind of matches they actually put effort into. Yeah, if that I mean, but at the same time, the God special is still usually pretty good. Yeah, they're they're by no means a bad team. And so with God, they're just one of many Bullet Club teams in this tournament. So the last two teams are also from Bullet Club. First, a new combination with Kenta and the Tokyo Pimp, Yujiro Takahashi. Very, very interesting, uh, you know, pairing here. Kenta's never been in the World Tag League, um, you know, this being his first year in New Japan. Um, I think it is interesting to see him and Yujiro together. Yujiro actually, surprisingly, can really wrestle well. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't give him the credit that he deserves. Yeah, you drew a former junior and heavyweight tag team champion. And never champion. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, I'm not too enthused about this pairing here. I mean, I'm not, like, running through the streets excited about Kenta and Ujiro. Um, But they'll they'll pick up wins. Ujiro will be the pin eater. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens with Kenta in this uh, – in this field because, you know, we, we still got to see what happens between him and Shibata. Goto's in this field. Ishii's in, Ishii's this, field. in this field. So uh, there's still that's still an interesting take on the story there. And then the last team, also representing Bullet Club, we have Area 51, Bad Luck Fale, and Chase Owens. Their second entry in the tournament, first time in two years. Yeah, I remember when uh, Chase and Bad Luck Folly teamed together, and it was fine, but it wasn't great. Uh, and that's pretty much my thoughts here, honestly. I don't have a lot to say about it. 
Right. Um, I mean, I'm sure there'll be a lot of shenanigans with both those two. Um, and I don't know if they'll continue the whole Area 51 thing or do something different. They, they kind of teased it um, at the showdown commentary. So I guess we'll see what happens, but I'm not expecting them. I mean, Chase will be very good, and his part of the match is Fale will be Fale. And so it'll be, it'll be kind of interesting to see what happens when they all the Bullet Club teams face each other to see what the interactions are there. And we do have some, te- um, some questions here about the World Tag League, but before we do that, I want to ask you, Jeremy, um, What's your official prediction? Who do you think's winning this thing? So, also, I did was kind of leaning towards uh, Finn Juice and doing Finn Juice against uh, Gorillas of Destiny at, at Wrestle Kingdom is kind of the match I'm looking at. I think it makes the most sense. They are a uh, besides Evil and Tanada, they're probably the the second most popular team in this tournament. And I think you, you need a strong babyface team to go against God, especially if you're going to have. Evil and Sonata do single stuff at the Dome, and they're not going to be in play, then I think Finn Juice makes the most sense out of all the other babyface teams here. Maybe Ishii and Yoshihashi, but I, I'm leaning more towards uh, Finn Juice. I don't think we're, they're going to do the Juice Mox match at the Dome. So um, you, you need a spot for Juice on the card, and I think getting him here, uh, you know, getting him in the tag title mix would be a good spot for him. Now let's let me do this before we make our final final predictions and answer these questions. December eighth, which will be the final night of the uh, tag league. Here's the field of matches we have: Hiroshi Tanahashi and Toa Hanare taking on Goto and Carl Fredericks. I'm gonna guess that that will not have implications. Satoshi Kojima and uh, Hiro, Hiroyoshi Tenzan taking on Yuji Nagata and Manabu Nakanishi definitely doesn't have implications. No. Toru Yano and Colt Cabana versus Chase Owens and Bad Luck Fale. I'm going to say no. Jeff Cobb, Mikey Nichols versus Shingo Takagi and El Terrible. Going to say no. Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer against Kenta and Yujiro Takahashi. I'm going to say no. So that leaves us with the last two matches, which I believe are very key indicators of what we can expect to be the front runners most likely for the tournament. Juice Robinson and Dave Finley taking on Evil and Sonata. Yeah, that that's probably going to be the, the key match right there. The other one, Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi versus Tama Tonga and Tingaloa. Yeah, I, I feel like Ishii and Yoshihashi would spoil G.O.D. Yes. And then Finn Juice get the big win over the former two-time tag league winners in Evil Sonata, you build the credibility up for Finn Juice doing that. They win the whole tournament, and then you set up Finn Juice with G.O.D. But also Ishii and Hashi beating G.O.D., you can get your triple threat scenario right there. If that's what you wanted to do. The other thing, too, is Yoshihashi has been in similar scenarios when him and Goto teamed together in, in the tag league and Ishii and Yano. So I'm not surprised to see Ishii, Ishii and Yoshihashi in the mix towards the end of the tournament going up against G.O.D. That means that these four teams that we predicted based on our review just now, we said that those are the four teams that probably have the best shot are the four teams that are facing off on the final night. It's kind of funny how that all worked out that way. <laughs> yeah, we didn't look at the schedule ahead of time. Uh, no, we really didn't, <laughs> but that it, it works out that way specifically. So that that actually um, really solidifies things for me. I'm going with uh, Finn Juice this year. Nice. Yeah, I'm going Finn Juice also. Awesome. So uh, tournament action. We ride together. We <laughs> die together. 
Bad boys for life. <laughs> Strong style for life. <laughs> uh, so a tournament action kicks off on Saturday, this Saturday, November 16th. There'll be shows uh, Sunday and Monday. And then um, the whole tournament runs up until December 8th, which will be the, the final night of the tournament in Hiroshima. And we do have a couple quick questions we got to uh, cover before we move on from this subject. Yep, so uh, Reddit user Grunty Dodds says, On paper, what World Tag League match has the potential to be the worst of the tournament? Mm. Well, there are two that come to my mind. Okay. They both involve GBH. Um, I'm, Let me take a guess. I'm going to guess uh, GBH and Yano and Cabana. Oh, I didn't think of that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's th- you know what I actually don't think that that would be that bad uh, okay. because because you got Yano and Makabe in there. Um, the first one that comes to my mind. Oh, I just saw one. <laughs> the first one that comes to my mind is GBH against uh, Nakanishi and Nagata. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's gonna be awful. <laughs> the other one is GBH against Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens. Yeah, that was the second one I was gonna <laughs> guess. <laughs> Uh, oh, but but that's man. just like you know a lot of that's based off Hanma. Um, I mean, is anything that you're seeing that you're just like God, I I'm not here for that. Uh, honestly, yeah. I mean, GBH is going to be one of those teams that just kind of brings down. I mean, Chase Owens and Folly against Nakanishi and Nagata. I mean, but Chase is great. Chase yeah. can kind of make a I mean, match. Chase and Nagata will be the saving grace of that match. Yeah. Um, let's see here. For for me, that's. I think GBH against uh, Nagata and Nakanishi. Yeah, that is, that's that's my probably going to be worst of the tournament for sure. Yeah. Uh, question from Maza. He says, "Are there any world tag te- world tag league teams you think will overperform slash underperform this year?" Okay. Uh, well, let's both go ahead and pick one team for each category. Okay. For overperform, I've got Goto and Carl Fredericks. Mm. For overperform, I'm gonna go with Ishii and Yoshihashi. The, yeah, yeah, they will. Oh man, for underperform, Toriano and Colt Cabana. Mm. Because two really talented guys who are going to for sure underperform. Yeah. Um I'm I'm gonna go with Jeff Cobb and Mikey Nichols. Okay. You know who else I think might Underperform hmm. G.O.D. True After all the praise we've been giving them this year Yeah They'll come out here and stink it up um, Keep in mind uh, Voters for the awards Award season is cut off Anything happening from this point forward That's for next year So don't be voting on your on G.O.D. Based off of <laughs> What happens in this tournament um, Over Okay one more um, Overperform um, Archer and Suzuki. Yeah. That they could be the top performing team. Yep. And then we have one last question here. Yeah. So, uh, from Rance, once again, he says, so speaking of the world tag league, I know it's his, it's historical significance, but is it necessary anymore? Or at the very least cut in half. New Japan doesn't have 16 legitimate heavyweight tag teams. They probably don't even have four full-time ones. I mean, that's true. But I'd rather watch this than the tag team matches on Monday Night Raw. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. No, I'm just playing. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, they don't have legitimate tag team. I mean, the right. tag team. We just, we just rattled team. off a bunch of new combinations. Yeah. Um, no, it's not necessarily necessary anymore unless you think of it in this uh, in this kind of context. Wrestle Kingdom is in a month. These guys need a break. Right. You want the top guys as healthy as possible going into January 4th. And not only that, we have how many how many nights is this tournament? Um a lot. Like like twenty? <laughs> yeah. Or something like that. Okay, let's just say twenty. It's probably not twenty, but let's just say twenty. We've got twenty dates we need to fill with something that's gonna draw. So yeah. That's why they're not doing a single elimination tournament. Seventeen nights. Okay, seventeen nights. That's why they're doing this, because they've got seventeen nights to fill. And they can't do 17 Road 2 shows. <laughs> so that's why. Uh, you know, and I get it. It's it's just, you know, keep in mind, New Japan has a totally different business model than Western, you know, wrestling companies. And that's why they're doing the World Tag League. Yeah. Uh, then two more questions here, not Tag League related. Um, one comes from our buddy Joel from in, uh, New York. Uh No. Yeah, I'm gonna cut that one off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I'll I'll let you hit him up and uh, answer that one then. Uh, so then the last question here. See, I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna ask that question before we started the World Tag League talk. Now it's already passing. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, I I I scrolled by it. So yeah, I'll I'll let you hit him up on that one. Sorry, then. Joel. <laughs> uh, from uh, Reddit user Zach Saber Time, he says two weeks ago I asked you guys for your favorite match. And that really annoyed Josh, so I must ask another annoying question. Who is your favorite wrestler of all time? Yeah, and just to be clear, ladies and gentlemen, I was not annoyed <laughs> by that question. Uh, if anything, I was annoyed with myself because I wanted to have a good answer. Um, I, I didn't have one prepared. Um, but with that being said, I mean, well, I, I know your favorite wrestler of all time. Well, see, here's the thing. Like, that's such a tough question now. Like, for me, that question used to be easy to answer. Like, if you asked me that question like five years ago, I know I, I know who my favorite wrestler of all time is. But there again, it's the same thing as I said the other week when we were talking about favorite match. Like, I have different. Like, you could ask me who my favorite shoot style wrestler is, and it would be different. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like for me, like Shawn Michaels. Right. From the time I was three, so most of my wrestling watches, Shawn Michaels was my favorite wrestler of all time. But my, then I started watching New Japan. <laughs> see, like, my favorite wrestler of all time at this point in time in life is Ric Flair. But it wasn't always Ric Flair. Like, it took a long time for me to get to the point to where I appreciate Ric... I've always appreciated Ric Flair, but, like, it took a lot of study and a lot of, like, watching to get to the point where I'm like, I really can't imagine someone being better than this guy. Like, Ric Flair's right. the perfect wrestler. Um, and, you know, I, I love Ric Flair. Like, on... I mean, on the Bret Hart scale, like he's like almost like what? It's thirty or forty? I think it's uh, I think it's thirty. Huh? He's close. He's close. He's he's up there. But um, what's promo look look in in ability? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, and the in the intangible it factor. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, uh, but I mean, you know, if we're talking about my favorite, like, like I went through phases, man. I mean, like yeah. as a, as a child, it was Hulk Hogan. And then I think it was Warrior. And then I think it was Sting. And then Luger. And then sometime in the 90s, I became like a diehard McFoley fan. And then RVD was like my favorite for a while. 
And then I started learning about Japanese wrestling. It was Mizawa (laughs) and Kobashi. And, yeah, so, I mean, I don't know, like, an angle. Right, yeah. For me, like, so when Sean got hurt, then I kind of latched on to Kurt Angle. Um, God, Angle's angle was so fucking good. And then also Rob Van Dam was another guy that I kind of latched on to. to Oh, and Taker. Like, Taker's always been, like, a perennial favorite, you know? Yeah, and then then Sean came back, so I was able to kind of ride with Sean. Then Sean retired, and then I was, you know, kind of on the CM Punk, Daniel Bryan were kind of my two oh, guys. Yeah. Well, when CM, yeah, CM Punk, like, we were all about CM Punk. When CM Punk came back, yeah. pipe, shout out to the Pipe Bomb. That was, like, eight years ago, like, uh, the other day. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, yeah, then, so now I've been, you know, watching a lot more New Japan and, and indies. And, and now, like, when I watch wrestling, I barely have favorites. Like, I Right, because there's, there's so many great wrestlers. I mean, I guess technically, if if you really want my like, I don't know. I I don't know if it's it's either Ishii or for me it's either Ishii or Tanahashi most likely. For me, it'd probably be Kenny. Yeah. So, but um, like all time, it's Ric Flair for me. I think. But then again, like if you're asking me, like if you're like, who's your favorite deathmatch wrestler? I'm gonna be like Onita. Right. <laughs> Or if you're like, who's your favorite shoot style wrestler? I'm gonna be like Tamora. Or your favorite high flyer? <laughs> My favorite high flyer of all time. Jeez, I don't know. Uh, that's a hard one. That you could also go favorite by promotion. Prince Puma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, it, it's probably it's probably Will Rico- Osprey. Osprey. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's it, Will Osprey, Ricochet. I don't know. It's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, there's great question. So many great wrestlers out there. Yeah. Who, uh, do you have a favorite New Japan wrestler of all time? Uh, Is it Kenny? I don't know, because I like Satoshi Kojima a lot, but I really didn't watch a lot of his run live. And a, a lot of his run was in All Japan also. And plus, right. Plus he freelanced for a long time. Right, so it probably would probably be Kenny. I mean, Osprey's up there. Shingo's up there. Shibata's up there. Ishii's up there. I mean, I mean, you, you Japan, their roster is just incredible. Ibushi. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck. There's just, just too many great talents. <laughs> Inoki. <laughs> Bro, I really love Inoki. Oh, my gosh. I really don't care. Like, Inoki <laughs> was fantastic. All right. So, we got some uh, quick news items here, and then the recommended match of the weekend will uh, get you guys out of here. So, uh, first piece of New Japan news. So, apparently, Will Ospreay, um, suffered a shoulder injury at the New Japan Showdown show in San Jose. Uh, apparently, it popped out during a handspring move, and uh, he got medical attention and kind of got popped back in. The weird thing is, like, I didn't remember seeing the spot in the match where he got hurt, and I knew that he got hurt before I watched the match, and I didn't see where he got hurt. And I, it didn't seem like he was out of the match for a you know a out and you know a, a long time at all. So I'm not not too sure what happened there, but. Um, you know, he did come back in the match, and um, it seems like his shoulder is fine. I I didn't see the spot, but, yeah, from the latest, like, uh, update, it seemed like he has recovered from that. Yeah, so um, should be fine there. And then uh, we had uh, Shooter, Shooter Omino. He made his Rev Pro debut this weekend in Sheffield. Did you see his entrance? I did. What you think? And I and I saw his gear. Yeah, that I, I was pink more, and white gear. I like that they're calling him Shooter. Yes, and he he did the Mox pose in his entrance. Yeah, the Death Rider pose. Yeah, so pretty cool. 
Yeah, I, I think it's cool. I was glad to see that uh, they had him. Um, they had him going up against. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kyle Fletcher from Aussie Open. I think yeah. that's a that that sounds like a match I'd actually really want to check out. Yeah. Then we have uh, Ren Narita will be facing off against Isaiah Velasquez at Black Label Pro on November sixteenth. That should be a fun match. Isaiah Velasquez is a guy that's a um, a normal in a freelance wrestling in the Chicago indie scene. So that should be a fun matchup there for Narita. Then there were some more names announced for the Lions Break Project Two. Um, El Fantasmo will be a part of the tour as well as Ren Narita, uh, Aaron Solo, uh, Mysterioso, Barrett Brown, and the Regal Twins. Never really heard of those guys. But they will be all part of Lions Break Project 2. Um, this was reported in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter. One idea being talked about for 2020 is breaking evil away from LIJ and, and Sonata and giving him a strong singles push. What do you think about that? I'm, I'm all for it, man. All for the evil push? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, also reported from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, um, Access has removed its 5 a.m. weekday old show airings for paid programming. It's also notable that at the at the all press stuff for Access of late has been just impact and wow, and hasn't been a lot of focus on New Japan promotion. Mm. And then in other news, um, we have story about uh kenny omega but first we have a question from reddit user viking pain that kind of leads into this story it says are you guys planning on going to wrestle kingdom 14 this year i really want to go but i'm scared new japan might ban me from the country for 10 years <laughs> uh that's funny yeah but uh, we are not going to wrestle kingdom this year um just didn't work out i think for both of us uh, bills financially um but i do want i got sued <laughs> I do want to try and to go to either Dominion um, next year or go to Wrestle Kingdom 15. Um, so definitely, I got to get to Japan soon. Um, but yeah, so we had a story in the Wrestling Observer newsletter. Uh, uh, Dave says when Kenny Omega went to Japan for the DET show, he was stopped going into the country. It's the third time this has happened to him since he left New Japan. Something happened where there was an attempt to get him banned from going to Japan for 10 years. He did get in like he has every time and worked a show, but he was very bitter about New Japan, and Nick Jackson made a, a cryptic tweet, tweet about New Japan. Suffice to say, feelings are very bad right now with them, even though Jericho is going to the Tokyo Dome since he is a separate deal. Nothing has been said regarding John Moss at the Tokyo Dome, but there are still two months to go. And then, obviously, um, Kenny tweeted out something along the lines that... Um, a lot of crazy things have happened in his 2019 that when he's finally able to tell all about them, um, people will be shocked. So when he says he got stopped, does he mean like, you know how everybody gets stopped at the airport? They're like, sir, like step here. Take, raise, your, take your phone out. Take your phone out. <laughs> raise your, he's like, this is bullshit. <laughs> Do you not know who I am? The best bout machine. I was the IWGP <laughs> heavyweight champion, sir. I won the freaking G1. <laughs> I won the fucking G1. <laughs> my first time ever. I'm the only gaijin to ever win this goddamn. <laughs> uh, this is freaking ridiculous. I can that like that's my that's what I'm imagining in my mind. Start sort of V triggering the security guards. 
They're like, they're like, sir, please step aside. We we need to check on you. What do you mean I can't stay in the country? You're trying to kick me out for ten years, <laughs> sir. Nobody said that at all. <laughs> um, but in all, okay, in all seriousness, so like this whole thing just sounds really. Uh, I don't, I don't know. Like I. Have you been following this? This is all kind of like new to me. I heard about it today for the first time. I don't know. I guess a lot of people have been talking about it, right? Right. It's like a big story or something. Well, I mean, it's not really. I mean, it's a big story. I mean, pretty much it's just this whole Kenny Omega is better with New Japan. There's obviously issues on both sides there. Um, do I think that New Japan, you know, Harold May called up the, you know, the government and was like, don't let this curly head guy into the country. I don't know. Like, okay. Like, here's the thing. Let me, I'll say a couple things. Japan is not like America business dealings in Japan. Um, in the past, I'm not saying that this is what's going on here, but it's not unlike businesses, major businesses like, um, Bushi road or new Japan pro wrestling to have, connections to and dealings with the government or even um you know like the yakuza things like that uh stuff like that in fact that's happened in new japan pro wrestling in the past i think things are different under bushi road but you know it's happened before um there have been things that have happened in new japan pro wrestling that are very scandalous and it's not like they've never had scandals or cover-ups, or bad dealings with that were nefarious or underhanded. So it's not like there's never been that sort of thing. That sort of stuff has happened for sure. They covered up a death in the dojo in the 90s. Mm. This stuff has happened before, and they've worked with the government to do things like that. So to say that this is like could never happen, well, that's bullshit. Of course it could. It's we don't even know. We're not from that country. You have no idea what kind of dealings there are. Um, is it likely? I don't know. I don't think it is. I like I've always said on this show. I really respect Dave Meltzer. I really believe in his reporting, but I always think that most of the stuff he says when it comes to Japan is really hit or miss. Well, I mean, this story is clearly and Kenny, it's coming from Kenny. Kenny. That's yeah. the thing I was going to say. All in, Over the past years, most of his New Japan-like source information was coming from the elite themselves, and they're not there anymore. So now he's just getting one side of the story, and it's literally coming from Kenny, and who knows how legit the things he's saying really are or aren't. Now, things like this, I don't really like to speculate on them. I don't want to sit here and say Kenny Omega's lying. I have no clue. I have no clue what that guy's going through. Maybe they really are trying. Maybe like they're trying to stop him from... Uh, I was telling you this earlier on the before we started the show. Like, okay, Kenny is a guy that came from DDT that they feel like they plucked out of obscurity when in the past Japanese companies didn't have to or also were not inclined to do that sort of thing. Instead, they took a chance on a guy like him. They invested in him. They made him a huge star. He wouldn't have be able to even do... AEW if they hadn't had put him on the platform put him on the pedestal put the bullet club logo on him Given him the opportunity to do the things that he ended up doing and then when the rubber met the road They felt like he abandoned them Now that's just one side of the story I'm not saying that's exactly what happened But there is a, an element of truth to it and if I'm new Japan pro wrestling and I'm like 
jilted because he left and I'm seeing my U.S. business be hurt significantly because the guys that we built are now fighting us. If I happen to know that that guy was coming in and working for my competitor in Japan and I have business dealings, yeah, I might try to stop him. If I could, why wouldn't I? Business is ruthless. Especially a pro wrestling business. <laughs> it's totally possible that sort of thing could have happened. I'm not saying it it, it, di- it did or didn't happen, but I mean, dude, it's pro wrestling. Right. I mean, we hear stories about stuff promoters do behind each other's backs all the time. Why would I want this this giant star from America, who's also a giant star, who's a crossover star over in Japan, to go work for DDT, one of my, like, you know, one of the few companies that has, like, a sizable hold in the marketplace, like... Yeah, they're not New Japan level, but, like, no, I don't want him working DDT shows. Why would I want that? No, heck no. Um, But then again, this could all just be bullshit. Right, we don't... It literally could just be bullshit. We don't don't know what's true and what's not true here. I think it's funny for... I don't know. I think a lot of people being out there saying that they know one way or the other what is or isn't happening, they don't know. I mean, Kenny could literally be getting wronged here, and New Japan could totally be in, in in the fault. Or Kenny could just be like, I don't know. He could just be being dramatic, right? You know? you know, he's not handling the breakup well. And I, yeah, and it is interesting. I mean, you see certain things that are going on with Kenny Omega. We saw the video that he posted where there was a silhouette of a wrestler that looked like uh, Kota Bushi holding up the G one trophy, and he and there disappeared. Was an evil lion mark. Yeah, there's an evil lion mark. And then this past weekend, he had that match with Mox, which, by the way, Mox uh, beat Kenny Omega in an unsanctioned match, so the match never counted. It didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and um, at one point, he did a a missed uh, Phoenix splash onto an, the exposed ring, just the uh, the, the wooden beams. And Excalibur was like signs of the uh, golden star. Yeah, and they, they alluded to it. And it is weird. I, I was sitting there thinking, like, these guys are still booking themselves. Like, to me, I think this all, I think the whole so, thing. It's a work. <laughs> I do think it's a work. I think everything's a work, dude. They're going to build up all this animosity and heat, and then they're going to have a big match. I think that they're both still working. Like, I think they're, I think they're working, even though the, I think the heat between the companies is real. Mm-hmm. But I think that Kenny and Kota Ibushi are just going to continue to build the feud between them, even when they're in different companies, just in case. Just because that's who they are, and they're weird like that. And they're just <laughs> going to keep, like, throwing out breadcrumbs forever. So, I don't know. But it is weird. that Like, all these allusions to New Japan from his side, and I'm like, well, what's the deal? Like, are they... Are they is there going to be a match? Is he going to come over? Is he going to... You know, and Kenny kept... A, Kenny has the claws... In his contract, he can work for New Japan. They haven't called him. There's two nights of the Tokyo Dome. We haven't heard anything about, you know, Kenny working, you know, the date. All the big guys that he could have wrestled, they, they're all tied up. So what What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't think we'll be seeing Kenny January 4th or 5th. I do think it's funny that, like, that um, for Meltzer to report this thing, he should literally just say, Kenny said this. Right. Because that's his source. <laughs> and like, he's he's saying this, like, most of the time, Dave is pretty, like, careful about what he says. But a lot of the stuff he says about Japan, like, just literally comes from, like, Kenny and the Elite. And he just, like, reports it. And it's weird that he does that. Yeah. 
But yeah, so uh, in more uh, Kenny Omega news, he will be defending his uh, AAA Mega title at Triple Mania December 1st against Dragon Lee, who will be making his AAA debut. And this is going to be a very interesting situation because Dragon Lee is still working for Ring of Honor, which works with CMLL. And, um, you know, we've seen in the past with New Japan, there's a lot of talent that New Japan wouldn't use, including guys like uh, Pentagon and Phoenix because of their affiliation with CMLL. You mean AAA? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's in- that match sounds awesome. Um, I don't know what to think of that. I, to me, it's looking more and more likely that for the time being, and I don't know how long this will be, that we aren't going to be seeing Dragon Lee in New Japan for the time being. Uh, just because unless like unless they're just like fuck it we're, we want him and we're going to work with him regardless and we've seen th- we've seen things like that last year you know Pentagon uh not Pentagon um LA Park was working both CMLL and AAA because he was such a big draw and I mean yeah. there are some guys that are big enough stars where the rules don't necessarily apply to them and to an extent Dragon Lee might be one of those type of guys in this not to the same ex- I'm not saying it's the same level stars LA Park but this is a unique situation. At the same time, they might not use him because he's not what he's on the outs with CMLL, and that's their partner. And you know how New Japan, you know how like New Japan feels about like being loyal to their partners, right? Um, even that. even though they're going to steal like all of Ring of Honor's <laughs> business in America. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, Fantastic Mania Tour is still set for yep. uh, next year, so they're clearly still working with CMLL. So. So, yeah, it's it's interesting. We'll see what happens with that. Then on December 13th, Warrior, Wrestler Se- Warrior Wrestling 7, they're having a big show um, with a lot of New Japan talent. We have El Fantasmo taking on Brian Cage, Minoru Suzuki taking on Filthy Tom Lawler, Lance Archer will be taking on Brian Pillman Jr., and the Rascals will be taking on Will Ospreay, Amazing Red, and Rocky Romero. So, Warrior Wrestling 7 looking to be a pretty great show. And that wraps up everything in the news. And now it's time for the recommended match of the week. You know what I want to do? I wish we had music like how they have on uh, on um, <laughs> One Nation Radio when it's like, Oh, hit the music. Hit the music. <laughs> I love hit the music. I was ready to like, I, I was about to say that. Like I was ready for it to like be that. And then we yeah. should, we should have come up with some recommended match of the week music. And then yeah, steal the gimmick. Yeah. You know, we should make it the start of music. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I just like the theme a lot. Hit the music. Yeah. Oh, uh, anyways. So, um, my recommended match of the week this week, and this is going to be one of the only times you guys ever See me do this. I am not recommending a New Japan Pro Wrestling match. But I am recommending a New Japan Pro Wrestling adjacent match because I think it's appropriate given the circumstances of what occurred this past weekend. So uh, for those of you that don't know, Jushin Thunder Liger's um, history in in, uh, North America, it really rises and falls on the name of one man. His name is Brian Pillman. Now, there are there is a match that you can find online if you go to Daily Motion. If you want to check this out, it, it is recommended. It's the, they had a match in uh November 8th 
or I'm sorry, August um, 11th, 1991 at the G1 uh, finals. Uh, Jushin Thunder Liger and Brian Pillman from the Ria Goku win about 17 minutes. So if you want to check out the, the one match they had, it's not on New Japan World, but you can find it online. They also had a very, very good um, house show match that you can find online um, when they faced off in December 27th of 1991 in East Rutherford, New Jersey. But the match that I'm recommending today, and you can find it online uh, on Daily Motion, you can also find it on the WWE Network, is the most famous match between these two gentlemen. It occurred on uh, February 29th, 1992, Super Brawl 2. Jushin Thunder Liger versus Brian Pillman for the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. This was the uh, title that would eventually become uh, be known as the WCW Cruiserweight title. And let me tell you right now, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find another um, junior-slash-cruiserweight match outside of Ray and Eddie at... Uh, at Halloween Havoc 97, I, I'm pretty sure that this is the one other match that, that stands head and shoulders above all the other uh, junior and cruiserweight matches in WCW. And this is the match that solidified the legend of Jushin Thunder Liger in America. People had never seen junior wrestling like this ever before from anybody. And, um, you know, when Liger came over, he was just a sensation and to see him wrestle a guy like Pillman who was so dynamic and athletic, who also wasn't necessarily adept at this style, but was such a great professional wrestler. It was a meshing of two different styles. And I, I'm telling you, you have to go out. Of, if you've never seen this, it's 20 minutes. It's by it's top 10 WCW matches of all time. Uh, maybe top five. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave it four and three quarters at the time. And I'm telling you right now, if you watch it today, it stands up. It's every bit as good as almost any junior match that you've seen this past year uh, in New Japan Pro Wrestling. And I wanted to recommend it just because we didn't get the big send-off for Liger in America. So do yourself a favor. Go back and watch his most famous North American match, which is the match with him and Brian Pillman, Super Brawl 2. If you, trust me, if you've never seen it, or even if you have seen it before, you will not be disappointed. Yeah, I don't think I've seen that match, so I'll definitely. Bro, you have. To I'll see, add that to you, the queue this week, bro. You have to see the twenty minutes. It's one of the easiest watches you'll ever have, and you'll like nineteen ninety two WCW. Say what you want about Bill Watts in WCW and and the you know bad business decisions and booking and all that sort of stuff. Ninety two is maybe like the strongest in ring year that WCW ever had as far as classic matches. And this is maybe the best one. It might not be. That War Games 92 is really, really good. So it's hard to say. But, um, yeah, I mean, Liger and Pillman, it's, it's, it's a candidate for uh, match of the North American match of the year in 92. And it's, it's, a, it's, it's one of the matches of the decade. Nice. And um, before we wrap things up, I just want to say um, that I want to thank you guys for nominating us for a couple categories in the Wrestle Hub Wrestling Podcast Awards, uh, Social Suplex, Nation Radio, Keeping It Strong Style, and All Things Elite all got nominated for several different categories. So make sure you go out there, find the Wrestle Hub uh, Google Doc for the voting. What are we nominated for? Uh, so Keeping It Strong Style got nominated for um, 
best branded and most informative. What does that? What does best branded mean? I guess the, the logo, our our branding, our social media. I guess I don't know. That's all you, dude. <laughs> so, go out there, vote for us, vote for your favorite social suplex shows on that wrestling podcast uh, awards for Wrestle Hub. That's really cool. Thank you, guys. Did we we didn't get funniest? We did not. There were none of no social suplex show got on the most comedy. That's because I'd be out here kicking that fuck shit. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> was not expecting you to say that. <laughs> So, yeah, so go out and vote and also get ready because um, in a couple of weeks we'll be dropping the voting for the third annual Keeping It Strong Style Year End Awards. Looking to get some great uh, interaction for that. And, When's our birthday? Uh, December 5th is the uh, two-year anniversary of the show. So, wow. Yeah, man. A lot of big stuff going on for Social Suplex. And uh, so going to wrap things up here next week we'll be back with our review of the first couple nights of the world tag league make sure you connect with us on social media on twitter i am at jeremy l donovan the show is at ki strong style you can also follow us at social suplex on facebook we are facebook.com slash social suplex you can also find us in the wrestling squared circle facebook group facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle on reddit i'm the pro black guy josh is keeping a strong style you can email me jeremy at social suplex.com make sure you check out all the other shows on the social suplex podcast network on sundays we have one nation radio hosted by rich ladder and james boyd on wednesdays we have the ricky and clive wrestling show from scotland Every other Wednesday, we have our podcast dedicated to independent wrestling. Grown men watch this shit, hosted by Jeremy Tate and Chris Bryan. On Fridays, we have Get in the Ring with Danny and Beast Mike. And on Saturday, we have All Things Elite with Floyd Johnson Jr., Amy O., and Tiffany. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Hit you, Bon. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.